This is the limitless Keith Lee. This is Brody King. This is Angel Garza. Will Ospreay. Hornswoggle. Pentagon Junior. The villain, Marty Scow. The Mexican Ray Phoenix. King Ricochet. Concrete Rose, Sunny Kiss. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the busted wide open. 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 Busted wide open podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome everybody to BWO Live, coming to you from the Twitch, not YouTube anymore, the Twitch, episode number 252 of Busted Wide Open. My name is Nick Howell. And no one around here is as underground as me, (laughs) but then again, John Morrison isn't here right now, so what are you going to do? My name is Sir Ian Daters, and welcome to the show. That's right, this is Busted Wide open the podcast where we discuss all the happenings with the grappinings in the world today. And that means today we have to talk about AEW, NXT, and SmackDown for this week. And quite a lot of things to go through, yeah. Nick. Uh, lots to discuss today, so I'm not going to waste any time. And we are going to do a little housekeeping, and we're going we're gonna to get into the show. Yes. Guys, come over and join us in Discord. That is the place to be. Just uh, search for the links uh, across our social media. You can find it there, or you'll see it flipping on the bottom of the screen right here down at the bottom. All kinds of good stuff. Or you can do exclamation Discord right here on Twitch to get a direct link, link right to it. Uh, make sure you get into there. Follow us on our social medias at BWO Podcast. Come over and join us in the Facebook discussion group. What is that? Black Craft Cult? Okay. Mm-hmm. Throw, throw a little up. Okay. Go on. You throw me off. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm just, looking just like, what going, is that? Uh, patrons, just, thank you guys very much. I owe you an apology, by the way, today. I actually thought I posted the uh, questions post for the patron mailbag earlier this week on Wednesday. Apparently, I did not. Uh, I do tend to get distraction, distracted from time to time, so that's probably what happened. I apologize. It is up now. You got a couple hours. Do your best. Uh, if you can squeeze it in really quick, we'd appreciate it. We will be doing the patron mailbag show again immediately after this show today on the same stream. We'll just take a t- quick 10-minute bio break so everybody can grab a drink oh, yeah. and come back, and we'll jump right back into the patron mailbag. So see if you can jump in, get those questions in really quickly. But patrons, thank you guys so much for all of your support. We have a lot of new patrons that are showing up in August, Ian, because they're ready. They're coming to challenge time. Robbie RB time, for that patron's pick uh-huh. championship. At SummerSlam, which we're going to be talking about a bit today, I imagine. Yes. Uh, oh, so, yes. yeah, if you guys are not in yet, make sure you get in. It is will be happening this month. You'll, all you have to be in is the $5 tier. Uh, so head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those tiers. You can get bonus episodes at the $10 tier, Skype calls, all kinds of good stuff uh, over at patreon.com slash BWO. And last but certainly not least, we are still doing stuff over on YouTube. Even though we did jump ship, even though we're live streaming the show, 
shows over here on Twitch now. Uh, you can still find BWO Daily, and we do have some other plans for other things coming soon uh, over at youtube.com slash open. So make sure you're subscribed over at the YouTube channel as well. A lot of fun times when we premiere those BWO Daily. So thank you to everybody that shows up in the live chats for those premieres every day around 5 Eastern time frame. But Ian, that's a that's a lot of stuff. Uh, again, I'll remind <laughs> everybody uh, we are not doing separate streams over here. For those of you that that weren't with us last Saturday, we just take a quick little intermission and then we come right back in and dive right back into the show. But Ian, let's head over and talk about the graps. Uh, we got to get into yeah, all of the things that went down this week. But we're going to kick off things as we always do with all elite wrestling. Super Wednesday debate 2020. It finally happened. On a wrestling show, we had a war of words, Nick. Mm. Two, two, uh, two monsters on the mic. And people known for their mic skills. Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Okay, so he's not known for his mic skills. But at, at least here, he was put, given the opportunity to debate Chris Jericho. Because Jericho said he wanted to defeat Orange Cassidy, both mentally and and physically, next week, of course, they have a rematch. Last time Jericho won, but he wants to just put Orange Cassidy in his in his rear view for once and for all. So this week, he decided he was going to debate him. And we were going to have a special guest moderator. Now, if you watch BWO Daily, we did tell you who this was going to be. But if you didn't, you didn't know who it was going to be. And you were probably shocked when, after 20 years, Eric Bischoff returned to TNT. 24 years. But it, it's been a while. That's been 24 years. He's been back since 96. Jericho but said been, it was 22 years, and he says, actually, it's been 24. Well, I I don't trust anything that comes out of Eric Bischoff's Not mouth, so, take that, so there you go. Regardless, it's been a long time, and given that the, the 83 weeks that he spent on the top of the ratings over there at TNT back in the 90s, it's still the name of his podcast, he's still making a dime off of that, uh, it's, it's a big deal to have him back on TNT, and he was just here as the moderator for this, and he was actually... He did his part well. There was nothing flashy about it. He was just out there to moderate, to kind of play a little role in this whole little, this nice little, this little play we had of Jericho and Orange Cassidy. And as you'd expect with this segment, Jericho tore Orange Cassidy apart. He's an absolute machine on the microphone, and that was on full display here. He was absolutely hilarious. He was being asked questions like, uh, "Why do you hate Orange Cassidy?" And he goes off on just a rant about somehow like. Orange Cassidy smells like ham and batteries, and he'd beat him up if he was, they were in high school. And uh, Orange Cassidy's everything because, that's wrong with modern wrestling. Yes. Right. So it was. So he was killing him, and then all of a sudden, uh, one of the questions was, uh, "What do you what What are your opinions on global warming?" And Jericho's response was, "I don't care. That's nothing. It's not relevant to this debate." And Orange Cassidy finally comes awake because he's not answering anything up until this point. He hasn't said a word. And he grabs the mic and goes on this long, eloquent rant about how the, it's going to make the sea levels rise and towns near the coast are going to be affected. And everyone just kind of stops and goes, whoa, we got a debate. He's alive. He's alive. So who would have thunk it? Orange Cassidy debates like he wrestles. Short spurts of brilliance. But then besides that, he absolutely does nothing and basically verbally keeps his hands in his pockets. So that was, an, a, 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 I thought, a fun little update to the meme yep. was Orange Cassidy uh, debating. Like the only he time he speaks is uh, is uh, for social justice and climate change, and <laughs> or whenever, like right. But it's always at the perfect right. time. He only does the absolute minimum possible. Right. So, right. so 
this went on for a little bit. Uh, it was it was fun, but it ended up with uh, Orange Cassidy finally taking it away at the end and saying, "Jericho, you know why I want to wrestle you? Hey, Jericho, you know why? Because if you lose to me, the guy who keeps his hands in his pockets, that's gonna be way worse than me losing to you. Like I don't care if I lose to you. It's not gonna matter if I lose to you. But if you lose to me, mm. Chris Jericho, legend. If you lose to me." What that's going to do is going to be so much oh, yeah. worse. So think about that. Jericho didn't like that, so Jake Hager attacked Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy ate a, a nice Judas effect as well to end the segment, and that was that. Nick, what did you think about this segment overall? Because these are one of the things that, like, in the wrong hands uh, could go the wrong way, and I know it's not for everybody, but how, how did you feel about all this? Uh, it was a little much considering we're doing the MJF uh, race as well. You know, his sort of uh, campaign. I felt like it was a little much on top of that. But put putting that aside, I loved this. I thought it was fantastic. I, I, I wasn't thinking that Cassidy was going to say anything. But when he did, I I popped. I was like, oh, oh okay. Wow. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> the, the crowd that they had was also really fun and, and helped this out a lot. Again, I go back to my major criticism of, of pushing the Orange Cassidy angle right now is, you're giving away so much Orange Cassidy without a crowd. Yeah. And I'm, I, I mean, I know he's one of the most popular things in AEW right now. He's hot. He's getting them ratings. But my God, imagine how much bigger this would be with an actual crowd. I just don't think we're going to have one for a really, time. really long time. And that's, and that's the problem is I can, you know, I can bitch and moan about that all I want. But, yeah, we're just not going to have. But I want crowds, Teddy. I want them now. I do. <laughs> I want my crowds, and I want them right now, but then what are we going to do? That's the world we live yeah. in now. So, so yeah, this was, I thought this was entertaining. I thought it was skillful, it was smart. It was effective at building the heat and the interest in the match. Uh, you know, now I want to see, it, like, are they going to let Cassidy beat Jericho now? Will, will Jericho let himself be beaten? And I say this out of kayfabe. Obviously, in kayfabe, is Jericho going to get beaten by Orange Cassidy here? Because Cassidy has now framed it as if you lose, it's a big deal. So, yeah, I thought this was a really effective segment. And like I said, I thought Bischoff, okay, he brings some star power to it. He didn't try to draw attention to himself. He played his part perfectly as the moderator. He was funny when he needed to be. He hit the right yep. lines. Yeah, all around. I thought this was a very, very good I segment. I was very scared of Bischoff coming out that he would try and basically steal the show for himself. Exactly. And yeah. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he sat back and no. just let Jericho do Jericho. Yeah, and Jericho, by the way, was also brilliant here. Like again, once again, showing what a master of the mic he is. Just allowed to just go and say whatever he wanted, and it was unbelievable. Yep. So, really strong. Also, really strong. The final match of the show, mm. which had been built up since last week, Darby Allen had pointed at Moxley's championship belt, indicating that he wanted a shot. Moxley granted it, even though uh, Darby Allen was, I think, fifth in line, but he granted Darby a title shot this week. Uh, and he gave an ad, like, Nick, I thought one of my favorite Moxley AEW promos for this I'm going to go out match. on a limb and say that is my favorite Moxley promo. Wow. Him saying, you know, when I was a young guy, I wanted to go fight dudes. Maybe I shouldn't fight. And you know what? I went out and sometimes I won and sometimes I got my ass kicked. And do I regret some of them? Yeah, and some of them I don't. And I see myself in Darby. And he's the one guy in AEW I like. Um, so I'm just giving you a little advice, Darby, even though I know you won't take it when the time comes for you to go down and stay down, just stay down. 
Again, I know you're going to pop right back up, and I'll just put you to sleep when you do, but I had to say it as a friend. Uh, thought that was great. Great way to frame the match. And honestly, that invested me in the match. I was not invested until that promo. And that's the point of a promo is to get you invested in the match. And I watched that promo and all of a sudden it set up what the match was. And I went, okay, all right, cool. That's what this is. Yeah. And that's what the match was too, was Moxley not taking Darby seriously. Like I know I can kick your ass. And Darby comes out and with this typical thing, he's wearing a, torn up John Maxley uh, picture on his face and being all edgy and, you know, the match, they get, they start facing each other off and Moxley is staring at, you know, a picture of himself on Darby's face and he just kind of goes and tears it off at Darby's face and Darby just slaps the taste out of his mm. mouth. That was creepy with and him Rick, coming out with that and, mask. Like that, there was something eerie and, so and uncomfortable about that. It totally worked for me. Hmm. Yes. With the eye holes popped through. Oh, man. I want to go back to the... um the Moxley promo real quick. And I think I want to talk about the thing because the match was fantastic and it was a great main event for a dynamite. I feel like it was a giveaway that they could have saved for a pay-per-view, but I think we've got bigger things coming. Uh, if, if, if my inner Nick booking is, uh, is predicting things correctly, which I seem to be on a pretty good run of lately. Um, (laughs) specifically over in NXT, but we'll talk about that later. Uh Um, uh, the promo. Do you, want, do you want an extra arm to pat yourself on the back? No, I'm going to use yours later. Sure. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> uh, the promo itself. What normally we're seeing him like pacing around and panting and flailing his arms around and huffing and puffing and rah, 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 rah. this time he was sitting there and he was just like Darby. I, I used yeah. to be like you, man, and and I and I just yeah. I know I, I would tell you to stay down, but I just I know you're not going to like. That's what was different about this one is that he was actually talking to him as if they were two dudes sitting in a locker room hanging out, uh, having a a conversation, versus this kind of just pit bull let off the leash, like he's normally acting, right? And I I think that can be his downfall sometimes, and he doesn't show this more serious side. That's what I loved about this. Well, more real side, I guess, more more direct, and... You know, I think I've forgotten. People have forgotten. Moxley is an absolutely fantastic promo guy. You know, he, he was a he was a great promo guy back in CZW and on the Indies before he came to WWE, where he had his ta- talent honed to a razor sharp point. But sometimes he gets off on it, like he falls into his own traps. Yeah. He falls into some patterns in his promos, like you said, huffing and puffing. Oh, I've got my demons, and I'm a mean guy. I like just hurting people. Okay, we get it. We know, but unfortunately, that kind of—it's like a false bravado yeah. thing. Whereas here, when he's just giving a promo like this, again, it helps frame the match. The point of the promo is to frame the match, make you interested in the story of the match. That's what it did here. It did it beautifully. Yeah. And so when they got face to face in the ring, you were invested. You knew what the relationship was, and it made you invested in the story that they were telling right off the bat. Um, and so when Moxley does rip off the the, you know, the picture of himself on Darby's face. And Darby just slaps the crap out of him. Uh, and Rick Knox is in the background going, ah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and go back and watch that moment. Rick Knox gives one of those the, the greatest reactions you'll ever see. Like People give a lot of stuff for Aubrey, but shout out to Rick Knox for just absolutely doing the greatest. He just literally, you see him go, ah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> and Moxley just decks Darby, knocks him to the ground. And most of this match was Moxley dominating Darby, as you would expect. As it should be. He's not selling for Darby like people do for Marco Stunt. He's actually like, 
Darby's occasionally getting some of this like little hyper offense in, but for the most part, Moxley's just dominating him. That is until Moxley's upcoming opponent came out and hit him in the head with a title belt, and that would be MJF. Wardlow distracts the referee. Moxley gets hit in the head with the belt, is busted open, and all of a sudden, Darby's in this match. All of a sudden, Darby's got a Hits shot. Hits him with a coffin, coffin drop drops and him. goes back yep. to the well again, which is ill-advised in wrestling in general when you go back to the well again <laughs> to try to do the same thing. And Moxley right. does one of those beautiful catches almost out of midair and gets him into a hold. Swallows him up oh. and then tries to choke him out. Starts to choke him out and just, he's like, look, this is it. We're done. You're going to sleep. And Darby will not go to sleep. Claws at Moxley's eyes. So Moxley says, fine. You you want to... You want to struggle? We'll do this the hard way. Gotch-style uh, pile driver and a paradigm shift later, and Darby's dead. And we go to black. We end the show with Moxley cradling Darby's corpse, <laughs> bleeding on him, and saying, sorry, little buddy, basically. Uh, great image. Great story here. Setting up the MJF match. Now Moxley's pissed at MJF. Setting up Darby and Moxley's relationship. I think showing us exactly how Darby should be portrayed as a little like never say die yeah. guy, like Moxley described him. He described him this way. This he was a prophet about this match, um, showing that Moxley is is strong. It took a, you know him getting busted open for Darby to get some offense on him, some real offense. So all around again, I this is this is the most happy I've been with the title picture in a long time. I also like Moxley pivoting towards MJF because MJF is such a little shit right now. Yep. You know, we had a we had a view at his uh, what would you call it? His campaign, campaign office headquarters. Yeah, where he's abusing his staff yeah. and you know basically being MJF and saying yeah we I, we deserve better than John Moxley. So I I'm liking Moxley better framed like this. He has not had I don't feel a successful uh, title run so far. He hasn't been put in good feuds that are good for him or for his opponents. Neither of them have come out looking good after most of his matches at most of his feuds. This was the first time I've been excited about him in a while. Are you are you feeling the same way about MJF and Moxley where you feel like it could be a good feud and a good it match? It could be a very good feud with those two guys of skill on the mics uh the the lead up to what I, I'm assuming this is going to be it all out end of Septemberish. That's what they're yeah. saying. Yes. So I mean we've got a couple of months to build to it which is the perfect amount of time. Let's get them in front of each other. We can have Wardlow involved, uh, all kinds of stuff. I think the build to it is arguably going to be better than the match itself, if, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I'm looking forward to those two just jawjacking at each other, having confrontations, uh, screwing each other out of stuff, all, all of that. That I hope yeah. so. I hope it's not John Moxley is a cartoony tough guy and MJF is just rattling his mouth at him. Yeah. I hope that they allow both of them to kind of step out of that trope yeah. if you will so show show us something new and that's that's what i hope they do with this feud yeah. but it's looking good so yeah. far also after the cluster f that was the 10-man tag match last week they went for a 12-man tag match this week to which i i honestly was like how are they going to do this how are they going to pull this off without this being absolute chaos and for part of it it was absolutely. I mean, chaos you were talking about thing. Rick Knox during the match when they were slapping each other in the main event and Rick Knox also officiated this one to open the show uh, and you could just kind of see half time, half the time during the match, he's just looking around, going, "I, I don't even have any idea what's going on right know. now. I, yeah. I don't know." Which was which was Aubrey last week, but yeah. it, then it just seemed like uncontrolled chaos. Here, this seemed very, very tightly booked. It very the, the the layout of the match seemed very tight. Everyone knew where to be at any given yep. time, and it ebbed and flowed very quickly. This was an absolute action packed 
banger of a match. And I think one of the smartest decisions that they had was at one point, one of the FTR boys went out with a bum leg, uh, screwed up his leg and had to leave. I think it was da- Dax. Dax. Uh, yeah, Dax. It was Dax. I, I, yeah. Um, so Dax goes out with a bum leg and uh, Cash and uh, surprisingly Hangman go out with him. So now all of a sudden it's six on three. It's the Bucks and Kenny Omega versus all of the Dark Order. Colt Cabana, Brody Lee, uh, number nine, number five, Stu Grayson, Evil Uno. So uh, they're just getting run over. And all of them have to pull out heroics to stay alive, to even stay alive in it, until Hangman comes back, cleans house, looks really strong, until ultimately eating an absolutely monstrous Stan Hansen-esque lariat from Mr. Brody and gets pinned. Mr. Brody pins Hangman Page. When was the last time Hangman got pinned? I don't remember. I think he's only New been Japan? pinned twice ever. No, I mean in AEW. He's been pinned twice. No, in I mean AEW, that's the last time he got pinned. I thought it was in New Japan. I don't, no, he's been pinned. In, Jericho beat him. Oh, that's right. And then uh, I'm, I, there was another time he got pinned too, but it was it was early since October twice. Uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah. barely he's barely doesn't happen. This was what Dark Order needed. It needed to be defined as what it was and it's it they've been getting better at it and i'm finally starting to see what their vision of it is which is not what i expected nick uh, did you expect it to end up being basically grew and the yellow minions instead of like a a, a cult the way that we conceive well it? i think when evil uno and Stu grayson were out it kind of had to be that cult thing it kind of had to be the brody show now that they're back and you've got Cole Cabana and seemingly Anna Jay off to the sideline. Like there's there's a there's a whole thing going on. And they after the match they stood at the top of the ramp, arms up in the air, or Brody did at least. And he had he was flanked by Cole Cabana, Grayson and Uno, Everyone. and all of yeah, the minions. There. So it feels more. It for for some reason it feels more cohesive now that they've got Grayson and Uno back. Like it feels. It real. helps. It helps. It helps uh, to have the full set of of the Dark Order there, and it's. But they've also started to. You know, one thing we said last week was, Dark Order needs to win. Yep. They need they need big real wins, not stuff on dark on, on dark where a lot of people won't see it, where it's just you know it's just there. It's building matches. They need to win big matches, and they need to win them in, in big fashion. And they did here. They did, and this is one place where they could afford to give it to them, and it made it a big yep. deal. To have them, to have Brody specifically beat Hangman, was a big deal. It showed that Brody's plan is working, and that's what needs to be shown about the, like why even do why form this group if all you're going to do is have them screw up and have Brody throw papers at them. They need to have wins. It needs to show that Brody knows what he's doing, and even though all these guys are basically a collection of jobbers and they still fight like jobbers. As a collective, they can win because then the plan is working. Yep. Um, so yeah, and also you know I got to throw out some love to the chat here. Our chat, our, our live chat, pointed out um, that unlike last week with the ten man, where it was just a bunch of guys flopping around, and there was supposedly a story, except that they didn't tell one. And it well, was there's just all kinds more of like story a comedy here. match. Tons of story here. You had uh, the, the relationship look, between uh, Hangman bro- broke listed. away from Kenny again, so Kenny's probably going to yeah. be pissed at to Hangman, go help FTR, which ultimately caused uh-huh. him to lose. Right? 
Right. Um, well, even though it came, he came back in and quote saved the day Doesn't by coming because- back. He's the reason they were so beat down. You had FTR. Exactly. You you had even though um, Dax, I think it's Dax now. I <laughs> uh, can't keep up. Dax was taken to the back, but they still could have used Cash. So now, do you have FTR and the Young Bucks having heat over this because the Young Bucks were left? Uh, you know, they they basically left their wingmen. So there's there's Young Bucks versus FTR here. There's Hangman versus Kenny uh, building here. There's certainly some stuff for. There's certainly an argument to be made that the the uh, Dark Order could go after the tag team championships, and that builds. I think they should. A lot of stuff. So. I, as it stands right now, Nick, what do you think about this Dark Order taking the tag team championships? Yes. Yeah. Than them being the ones that take it off of Page and yes. Omega. I think that would be a strong choice. I think Brody and Cabana as tag champs would be a very strong choice to take it off of Omega and Page, who need to drop them sometimes. I also soon. saw like um, Cole Cabana fighting his conscience several times throughout this match. If you watch close, he's on the outside of the yeah. ring, and you can see him just going, oh, man, no, I don't, I don't want to do Okay, yeah, Mr. Feels Brody tagged me, and I'll, I'll go in. Yeah, okay. Oh, boom! I got to hit my yeah. spot, and it just—you can see this his little crisis story, of his, conscience yeah. with him that I love. His Faustian, his Faustian bargain is working for yeah. me, and because he's doing his own work. And this is what's great—is like you said, all these stories are going on. Everyone's got their own story to work with and their own dynamic, and they've set up all these dynamics so that when you have a match like this, if everyone just works on their own internal story, you have a ton of stuff going on, and then the match itself is also just in, incredibly well laid out. Uh, and exciting. It's as one hell. of people's biggest complaints with AEW so far is that these big matches like this are just nothing but pure spot fests, and there's no story. Right. So and they this week we got both, yeah, all in one big match. And to open the show, no entrances. We just came right in. Welcome everybody to Dynamite, and we're yeah. just going to go right in. Ring the bell. Just Twelve men going at Full it. Full tilt. Love it. Yep. This is what I want. <clears throat> yeah. This is this is when when done right. When done poorly, it's a very legitimate concern with AEW. Yes. When done well, nobody does it yep. better. Agreed. Period. Um, that being said, that was not all for Dark Order on this evening. Also, uh, Alex Silver and Reynolds. Sorry, Alex Reynolds and Long John Silver. I always forget his name. But Silver and Reynolds, uh, they had some fun on uh, being the elite this week, and they said they were going to go have a squash match on Dynamite. They were getting booked in a squash match on Dynamite, except it turned out they were facing... Cody and Matt Cardona are returning. Uh, uh, Matt Cardona, not returning, re- re- now freed, I suppose, from WWE, back out on the road again. Um, so th- th- I thought this was going to be a squash match based on how they set it up at being the elite. It was not. Silver and Reynolds got in a ton of offense and looked really. Uh, Cody was the one who's getting his ass beat this entire match. And then Cardona was hot tag, come in and save the day, and ultimately uses the Rough Rider, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, the radio silence, he renamed his finisher, to finish off Silver and Reynolds. But it was not a squash match, and that shocked me. Uh, do you think it should have been? Do you think Silver and Reynolds should not have gotten in so much offense here, or was this fine? Did you enjoy this match? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, what? <laughs> no, I don't think they should no. have gotten that much offense in. No, okay. I don't think they should have. I don't think this even should have been a match. Like, it didn't make a lot of sense. I didn't understand the story behind it, why they were getting the match. Cardona just debuted, I guess, because he came in and saved the beatdown 
So now we're yeah, having that's that was the story. We just we, we Co- just had Dark Order attacked Cody. Yeah, we didn't need another t- uh, Dark Order spot. Like I felt like this kind of undid what the opening twelve man tag did a little bit. Except that having Silver Reynolds look strong here made Dark Order look like they've got some capable guys, even though they can't win a match here. They did look strong. All right. Um, which they haven't before, and that's really, I think, that's my problem, is it's kind of whiplash. Like, wait, I thought these guys were losers. Why are they suddenly, like, toe-to-toeing the TNT champion? Exactly. So that was a little bit surprising in terms of the booking of this match. But the match itself was awesome. Like, they, there was some really good work done here. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to complain about having, you know, being entertained. But at the same time, it did seem to to pass by the logic train. The, the logic train went right past the station on this one. Um, but here's Matt Cardona in AEW. Um, it also should be noted on the way out of the ring afterwards, Cody did run into Scorpio Sky, who pointed at the belt. So Scorpio Sky wants a shot at the TNT Championship. Interesting. And now, if the match was uh, purely to give Matt Cardona his sort of debut spot and on the way out set up the next challenger, fine. I'm totally fine Which with that. Which has seen what yeah, it was. That's, the, what, that's was. what I took it as on paper. So when you were asking me if it was a good match, I was just like, that's not really what it was for. I don't know if I'd right. call it a good match. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I do, and it was it was, it was, was fine for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, we speculated that Matt Cardona's destiny is to turn on Cody. It just seems to write itself. Yeah. Did you see any flashes of that here or... Is that are we? Because I, I, here's the thing: I'm worried if you don't jump on that pretty quickly, we're gonna have Sean Spears part two with Matt Cardona. Oh, we, that's what I'm totally expecting it to be. Unfortunately for for Matt. Oh, you so you're already calling it Matt Cardona is going to be Sean Spears part yeah, two. Yeah, and I think they've they've pulled the trigger on this so fast by pairing him up with with Cody just to put some new shine or something. I I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, is he going to come out anytime soon with a chair and hit Cody over the head and then try to go build this program around it? I, I don't know. It feels a little busy right now in AEW. There's a lot of stuff going around. I kind of like, it, it, is it boring? Maybe, but I kind of like Cody just defending the TNT Championship and open challenges every week. Let's let's leave it at that. Yeah. There's other stuff he's going on. It, but he's done it five weeks in a row, I think, give or take. Uh, so it's time for a change. Have a tag match. Now, granted, this show was stacked with tag team matches, like stacked with them. But it's not surprising because you have so you have 17 viable tag teams in AEW. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. I'm not in a bad way. Uh, They wanted to build a big tag division. They have done so. Um, And speaking of tag team matches, we had a tag team match. The best friends versus proud and powerful kind of coming off of that. uh, Not very good 10 man tag team Mm. uh, match last week. Now it's just the two most integral tag teams. Having a match, uh, the best friends showed up in Trent's mom's minivan, so you knew something was going to happen there. Oh, Sue, you uh, knew better than to let Trent Sue, borrow the knew. van. We've been through Come this on. before, Sue. Your son is a wrestler. You know <laughs> shit's going to happen to your van. But it didn't happen until after the match. The match itself uh, was actually, it was fine. It was there. That's, that's I'll give it that. It was there. Uh, dad bought and dad face ended up beating proud and powerful. So props to them, but, uh, which is what I'm going to call them now. Okay. From now on dad bod and dad I still call face. him Chucky e. T. So, <laughs> well, no, Chucky e. T is dad bod. Oh, sure. 
trying to. I just always hear him referred to as Chuck Taylor every every time by commentary. I I just go Chuck E. T. Chuck E. T. Chuck E. T. Yeah, and somewhere and somewhere Converse are screaming right, at him. Exactly. We own that. We own that. Um, so proud and powerful drop the first match here. They lose this match to a roll up. Uh, Ortiz is beside himself. Can't believe it. And so as a result, after the match, or later on in the show, as you'd expect, PNP goes and trashes Sue's minivan, breaks in all the windows, take a sledgehammer to all the parts of the car, spray on the spray, no Sue or Sue with a, you know, crossed out on the hood. Savages. And we come back Those later savages. to Trent and Chuck, and it's even put up on blocks. <laughs> It's on blocks. And I'm, that was the nice touch for me at the end. <laughs> like, okay, you take a sledgehammer. He also, the, at the beginning, uh, a Proud and Powerful walking away, and just he just kind of hooks the sledgehammer over over his shoulder, and it, it yeah. sticks into the windshield. I was like, that's a nice touch right there. Yeah, that was a, that was a slick move. <laughs> uh, but coming back to Trent and Chuck discovering it outside with it being up on blocks, that was the that was the piece de resistance right there. The just the whole it just dialed everything yeah. in. And I'm wondering if they took a picture of it and like texted it to Sue or something like that. Is Sue gonna Sue, show up on AEW Dynamite? She already did yeah. once. I mean, she might show up again. <laughs> Trent's mom might be back. Uh, she, the Dark Order tried to recruit her, get her to drink the Kool Aid, and she did. She was trying to join the join the Dark Order. <laughs> Trent was like, "No, you can't. You can't recruit my mom." Yeah. And here he said to Proud and Powerful, he says, you guys, you can do whatever you want to me, but this is my mom. Yeah. <laughs> Leave my Leave mom alone. Mom we're going to fight you guys next week, and we're going to make you apologize to my mom over speakerphone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're laughing. That's funny. Is it too... Mm, I don't know. I don't want to be like, wrestling. But is it is it fun but played a little bit too goofy to be taken as seriously as it should be? Like it's fine. Are you fine with it being goofy yes. and being a little bit silly? The inner circle has gone goofy since Jericho dropped the title to Moxley. So I'm fine with it. That's a fair right point. now. It they've been doing the Brady Bunch, the inner circle, inner whatever the hell it was. They've been doing all of these antics and I and we've got Floyd the Bat now, and now he's doing a press or a, a debate. With with Orange Cassidy who who doesn't speak, this is all in the mo for Inner Circle uh, as far as I'm concerned. Also, breaking news: Nick Guard One has returned to BWO Live, making its first delivery. Actually, it made one last week. That's not true. Uh, Joker J bought a BWO logo sticker. Thank you very much, Jay. Appreciate it. Enjoy. Uh, let us be sure to post it in the group or uh, on online somewhere so we can see the quality of it. I wonder long, how long we have until uh, uh, Sue on a pole match. Hopefully we don't like get a, Sue like on a Sue, forklift Sue on a, again. Sue's out on a forklift. Yeah, exactly. Sue comes out on a right. forklift. Right. Saying, strapped which, strapped it, to it a just, forklift it, by Proud and Powerful. It writes itself. Yeah, I mean, make it, it happen. It get, itself. You got to give on, the man. people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> the system is functioning as intended. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So, all right. And then a couple more things on AEW Dark. Uh, Matt Hardy has re-fired up his feud with Sammy Guevara, who was out for a couple of weeks on suspension for saying naughty, naughty things mm. about Sasha Banks. Naughty, Sammy. And not in a good kayfabe way. <laughs> like, no. no. But we've picked right back up where we left off. Matt Hardy is is uh, kind of strangely mad, like how mad he is, uh, that Sammy rejected his offer of mentorship. Yeah. 
Matt said, come away from Jericho, come to me, I will teach you the, the proper ways of being a young Padawan. And Sammy said, no! If I hang out with Jericho, I get chicks and champagne. And Matt said, that's not good enough. That's not a good enough reason. I used to be a young whippersnapper like you, and I had to have my best friend steal my girl to learn that life is tough. I'm trying to teach you. But uh, he, so he was very mad about, about Sammy Guevara saying no to him, and so he said, I'm now going to hurt you, which seems like a bit of an overreaction. So you, you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help mentor you, young man, and the guy says, no, I'm good. And then you go, cool, I'm going to beat the crap out of you then. Yeah. What? Whoa, what Matt. What the hell, Matt? All right. Jeez. No, no, this is, so this gimmick Sam- is called No Chill Matt Hardy. <laughs> no Chill Matt Hardy. An angry little Matt Hardy. Yep. Uh, but and in the middle of and he gave him gave out a long pontificating speech. And at the end of it, Sammy went to sneak in and get, get him. And he said, ah, Sammy, I knew you'd come. And they start brawling. And they brawl the outside of the ring. Matt puts Sammy through the announce desk. Sammy gets back up. Throws they get a they get a table out. Matt gets a table out like he's gonna put Sammy through another table, but instead Sammy gets a chair and hucks it at Matt Hardy's face. And I, when I say I huck it at Matt Hardy's face, I couldn't even see this chair move. It was flying so fast. And apparently neither could Matt Hardy because it hit him right square in the forehead and busted him open hard way and busted him open good. He had to get seven stitches later. Um, and it was you could so say he much, was busted wide open. You could say he was busted. Wide open because thank you, Christopher Daniels. There are degrees yes. to being busted open. There's busted open. There's busted wide open. Yeah. And he was busted wide open because as he was laying there on the table, waiting for Sammy Guevara to go up top and do a big move onto him, big double flip onto him, uh, his head was just pouring blood. So there was a gigantic pool of blood under his head so that when Sammy hit him, that pool of blood exploded. And it splattered like a water balloon all over everything, gore everywhere. Sammy looked like Sammy looked like a like a uh, uh, like he'd been painted all over him. Sammy looked uh, like an extra so, uh, extra from Dexter. That's what Sammy looked like. <laughs> Little bit, yeah, uh, like a Jackson Pollock right. painting all up upside his chest. Uh, blood everywhere, and Matt's still pouring blood. So it was a it was a a grisly sight to say the least, but effective. If Sammy wanted to send a message to Matt Hardy. Uh, mission accomplished. Um, I love the online stuff after this where they were kind of... Because uh, apparently Sammy did catch some real heat backstage for throwing the wrong chair. He's supposed to throw the light plastic one. He threw the heavy metal one because he got excited in the moment. Um, but the, Matt and <laughs> Matt online uh, saying, I'm going to get you, you you know irresponsible little punk. And then Rebby <laughs> Rebby Hardy, never one to mince no. words. Get your Get your beeper ready there <laughs> because... She said, uh, she said Sammy was a fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> uh, so good stuff. I think this actually, while it's unfortunate that Matt got busted open like that, I think it did wonders for the feud. Like, now I'm going to, okay, Sammy fired a big first shot. Yeah, now. and it goes against what we were just talking about with the inner circle being these goofballs that they can be serious and they can do harm when they're driven to it. So I, I like this. I like that Proud and Powerful, while it may seem goofy, are out there wrecking people's cars and being just a general nuisance. Meanwhile, Sammy Guevara, of all people, of the entire team, is the one that looks like he can do the most damage in a very quick way. Then you've got Jake Hager, who is just a monster. 
So, yeah, yeah, while we're doing these little sideshow antics and things with Inner Circle, we're also getting a little bit of the other side of the coin as well. And I I like the way that they're doing both. I really do. So Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, if, if Matt's ultimate uh, reasoning for wanting to work with Sammy in real life is to, you know, impart some wisdom to him, you know, like maybe don't throw a chair at right. my face. Um, so I'm curious if ultimately Matt's going to put over Sammy in this. I would assume he oh, would. Sure. Um, but how long the program's going to go and what Matt's intention is. Because the fact that they they put this off and then came back to it says to me that Matt really wants to do it. This. It'll be something where, yeah, I agree, but I also think that it's doing something that will trigger him to break again or Damascus to return, and that extends the feud somehow. And Oh, he's still doing the multi-gimmick the the multi gimmick on being the elite, right. the multi-personality gimmick. Um, he's just being, you know, unkillable Matt Hardy. But right is it now a bit Bruce show, Banner so. where Matt has control over the Hulk or Damascus, right? Is there it, yeah, something like it's that? Not, it's, well, it seems to be that they all exist at the same time. I don't expect that. <laughs> hey, man, I'll break down Bray Wyatt's little universe, but don't expect me to be able to explain what the hell Matt Hardy's exactly. doing. He's in his own world with this. And he's making up his rules as he goes. I'm so, fine with that. Whatever he wants to do. Yeah, and I'm fine with that too because it's a lot of yeah. fun. Uh, also, a lot of fun, big swole destroying Reba, Britt Baker's uh, assistant, who was because Britt, ben, <laughs> Britt Baker was given the opportunity to pick Big Swole's opponent. And if Big Swole could defeat them, then she would have to face Britt Baker at All Out. Britt Baker chose Reba, or Rebel, whatever her name is, uh, her assistant. It's Rebel. Which seems like a bad call if you want to create an obstacle for somebody like Big Swole. To send in someone who, quote-unquote, has never wrestled before, even though she is actually She's trained. actually quite good. She's actually yeah. quite good. Um, and actually, in this match, she had to act like she didn't know how to wrestle while wrestling really well. So, and pulled off a moonsault. So, props to her. Um, that being said, this was like a three, four-minute match. It was a and it was mostly steeped in controversy, as we came to find out later in the week. Uh, they also did do a little lower third. Hey, guys, don't forget about AEW Heels. And that was about all we heard about it the entire show. Plus, the only women's match yep. that you have on the debut of AEW Heels uh, is yeah. this. We're, we're doing, hey, we're doing a entire women's social media uh, co- community group thing. We're trying to get women invested in pro wrestling. And then, you know, everyone back, had a backlash on that said, said, you know, okay, great, you want to get women invested in wrestling, but yet you have a four-minute women's match, and that's all you have this one week. Next week, you're not promoting any women's matches, so where's the women's where's division? Where's your champion? You have a champion. No story. You have a champion who's standing ringside with no story, getting flirted with by Billy Gunn's kid. Um, you have a bunch of, you, you know, all your women are having a tag team tournament, and you're showing it only on YouTube. So where's your women's division? Yeah. You know, I feel like they've planted the seeds for a really good women's division. They've got, I think, a lot more viable people in it than they did it when they started. Big Swole has gotten better in terms of her in-ring ability from working with Dustin. Um, I feel like Britt Baker, obviously, like we were saying, is leaps and bounds, but she's injured. She's injured. So, Chris is injured. Uh, where's Riho been? We haven't seen much of Nyla Rose other than being the elite. I think Riho's stuck in Japan. We've got Vicky Guerrero. Where was this. Vicky Guerrero and and, Ni- and Nyla Rose this week? They're off doing the. They're doing the tag team so, tournament thing. Okay. They're trying to keep them on the sidelines because they're supposedly the next contestants or the, the ones that are going for the title next or at some point. Yeah. You know, so it's at some point we've got the, to start doing more yeah. in a two-hour show than one goofball kind of gimmick match like this. 
to their credit, they had two weeks in a row where you had Diamante and Ivelisse one week, and then Diamante and uh, Sheeta right. the next week. But then you have two weeks with nothing. Yep. So yeah, they again with the women's division, it is their it is their big, glaring weak spot. If this was a video game and they were the boss, that'd be the large glowing thing that you just go, oh, I should shoot at that. Yep. That's that's the women's division for AEW right now. So I know that they're planting the seeds to get it to a better place. It doesn't happen overnight. I get that. It's just, it's tough to be in the middle. It also doesn't help that your chief brand officer deleted her Twitter. No, that's not good. That's not a good. Well, she was getting bullied. <laughs> Twitter was tearing her apart. Uh, they had some ammo, though, and that's kind of what yeah. we're saying here, is they, yeah, not a good look. So hopefully things improve there. But overall, a very strong show for AEW, uh, and actually their highest rated show yet since everything happened in the world, since the pandemic. Uh, over 900,000 people. So it was a, a, an extremely strong in the, the ever-important demo. Uh, and they absolutely blew away another brand that we have to talk about right now, which also had a very good show. And that brand, of course, is NXT. Okay. I'm glad you set this one up because I wanted to open up NXT today. Um, Sir Ian Dangerous, you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to ask a favor. I'm okay. going to need you to admit something today on the show. I'm going to need oh, you to okay. admit that Nick Booking was right. Uh, I refuse. What About what? That, that Keith Lee was going to win, it was going to send Adam Cole into a spiral, and it was going to begin the breakup angle for Undisputed Era. I can't admit that Nick Booking is right. <laughs> When the things that you're trying to book in NXT have not happened yet, Nick. Keith Lee won. Undisputed Era has not. Oh, oh congratulations. Keith Lee won. That doesn't. Come on. That doesn't mean that the Undisputed Era is suddenly breaking up. Now, granted, it does look like there's some turmoil and there's some things shifting with Undisputed Era. They did have a tag match against Imperium for the tag belts. Uh, Fish and O'Reilly got in there and did some good work. The whole faction is starting to kind of turn a little bit mm -hmm. face. They've always they've always worked a almost face style in the ring. Even when they were at the, the height of their heeldom, they were just too dynamic in the ring and too exciting, and people just wanted to cheer them because they are just so badass. And they're still doing that. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly is an absolute machine. Love that guy. And at one point had a hot tag that's that was just molten, <laughs> just killed everybody, just did not stop. Um, that being said, the real story here was not about what was happening in the Unfortunately. ring. The real story was what was happening outside, and that was Adam Cole and Roderick Strong standing ringside watching the match, but then overhearing one Pat McAfee who was on commentary. Now, you may recall that Pat McAfee and Adam Cole have not really liked each other for a long time. They've had beef back on the uh, watch-along shows. Adam Cole came on Pat McAfee's show about eh, a week or two, two ago weeks, yeah. uh, and just went off. Pat McAfee started, like, saying that he was short and that Undisputed Era was the reason he was so successful. And Adam Cole went off on him, dropping F-bombs and pushing PAs and uh, just being kind of salty, which was great because it got mainstream attention. People who remember Pat McAfee from his time in the NFL were like, wait, who's this guy who's going off on Pat McAfee? What's happening? And a lot of people got drawn in because they thought it was real. Well, obviously it was a work, and this is where this is the point where the work came to fruition because Pat McAfee was here on commentary and started to throw out the short jokes again. 
to the point where Beth Phoenix got so fed up with it, she left. She dropped off. She's like, I'm out. I'm not going to be on commentary anymore. And Morrow was telling him to co- the, knock it off. Tom Phillips was saying, dude, chill out with the, with the short jokes. Adam Cole's right there. And Pat just wouldn't let up. Put it wouldn't let up. Adam Cole finally just goes, comes over and goes, Pat, I'm right there. I can hear you. I thought we squashed this. I thought we, like, Triple H brought us together. We worked it out at the top of the show. We're cool. What the hell are you doing? And, uh, yeah. All this going Pat on. Let it go. All this going Pat on go. with Adam Cole occasionally cutting eyes back at Pat McAfee, right? Meanwhile, you've got a takeover caliber NXT Tag Team Championship match between Imperium yep. and Red Dragon happening in the ring. Sure. Okay. Why? Why? I. Why now? Why, why do this? Why do this now when you've got that going on in the ring? That's what I didn't understand. Because here. Undisputed Era has been there with the Tag Team Championships. They've been there, and actually, because of the distraction happening with Pat McAfee and Adam Cole. They ended up sneaking out a win against Undisputed Era because everyone wasn't paying attention. And that was the end of the match. And then Adam Cole and Pat McAfee come to blows because Adam, Adam Cole starts to walk away and Pat McAfee goes, wow, he's an angry little elf, isn't he? Who is this guy? <laughs> Which, by the way, great reference. Yeah. And then Adam Cole jumps him. Uh, and they start brawling. And I like the touches here. I like the little touches. Triple H and Shawn Michaels immediately coming out of the back. All the referees trying to separate them. It didn't feel like a regular pull-apart brawl. It felt like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a this is a real show. What the hell? Whoa, 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 guys. Knock it off. It had an, a little bit more of a dollop of quote-unquote reality into it. Um, you also got a good look at how big NFL players actually are, by the way. Even the kickers. And Pat's not a big He's one. He's not a big one. Right. Even the kickers are one. massive. <laughs> well, I, I, yes. I can tell you that's true as a guy who rooted for Sebastian Janikowski. Well, he just couldn't put uh, the vodka so, down. That was his problem. No, he couldn't, but he could still put the, the ball through the uprights 80 right. yards. So, uh, But yeah, Pat McAfee, not a small guy. Adam Cole, small yeah. guy. That being said, he's a, he's a fierce little guy. And so they, they get pulled apart. McAfee starts to walk away. And he comes back and he decides, you know what? No. He turns around, he comes back, he starts talking smack to Adam Cole. Uh, Adam Cole gets pissed, climbs up on the table, and tries to get at him, falls down, and is laid out kind of, he's at the end of the table, pushing his, his torso up, and Pat McAfee is the perfect angle to punt him in the chest and face. That's an NFL professional kicker. First. That's a, well, that's the thing. That's a, what a great spot yeah. to end this. Right, we don't know if Pat McAfee's got a wrestling ring in his backyard. He's been training off the last two years. We don't know what he's been doing because they booked the match. They booked Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole at Takeover Thirty because they're out of their damn mind. Adam's gonna lose, and it's gonna send everything into a spiral. No, it's okay. Mark it down. Nick Nick Booking is saying Adam Cole's gonna lose this match. My entire ass. Okay. Uh, this is Undisputed Era is turning face here. They, they, this was a double turn. Pat McAfee, as you might recall, when he stood next to Sam Roberts as an announcer at TakeOver, I believe it was Portland, was the most over guy in the building. Hyped up the entire place. Everyone was completely on his side. Loved him. Loved him. Now he is a hated individual, and Adam Cole has turned face. Mm. Now he's sympathetic. Okay. It was a double turn. I agree with you on uh, basically Fish and O'Reilly and even strong for that matter, working against Gargano uh, two weeks ago in the they're triple threat, all, right? They're all kind of nudging over to the face side. And frankly, after two, almost three years 
of Undisputed Era being the big heels on the show. I, if you're going to have Johnny Gargano be a heel, have Undisputed Era be faces. Why not? They're loved by the crowd. It seems logical to yeah. me. It seems like a natural turn. And if Pat McAfee and this little feud is the fulcrum on which that turns, uh, all right, cool. I wouldn't run it for longer than that. We've got three weeks of Adam Cole, Pat McAfee, and then a match at TakeOver 30. Fine. Maybe Adam Cole, I mean, maybe he's like Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega, where you can have a great match with a blow-up sure. doll. And if that's the fact, we might actually get an entertaining, I don't expect a wrestling clinic, but I expect to have an entertaining match with a story with Pat McAfee and Adam Cole. Yeah, we get past Cross and Keith Lee, you could circle around with a facier Adam Cole and come back after Cross afterwards. You know, it, it's, Yeah, if you think of a, of a, of a pay-per-view as a buffet, okay, here you go. This is the breadsticks. Like, you've got... You've got a little bit of everything. Why not have a, a weird celebrity match like this at the show? Yeah. Especially one that you've built with some nice heat going into yep. it. Yep. So I know some people didn't like this angle. Like, oh, God, Pat McAfee, Adam Cole. Oh, God. Just sit, sit, sit back. Sit back. Chill. Let, let Papa H take over. Let him massage your shoulders. Your popcorn. Enjoy the Enjoy the, yeah. the, 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 the feast that is being put in front of your eyes. Yeah, I th I thought this was all very entertaining. I thought it was well done. Um, I did not see it coming to this extent. Um, I thought it was just a cute little thing they were doing on the side, but apparently they liked it. They liked it enough to make it a major feature of a pay per view. Yep. And closing out NXT, this was going against Moxley and, and Allen, um, which you know the fifty year old, the fifty plus audience loved it. Yep. Uh, but that was not all that happened on NXT. Oh no, no no no, because Dakota Kai is your number one contender for Io Shirai's championship belt after beating Rhea Ripley. I'll say it again. Dakota Kai beat Rhea Ripley. Now, that being said, she did have help yeah. doing it, as you would expect. Mercedes Martinez did come out and beat the crap, or get a nice big shot in on Rhea Ripley um, because she has joined the Robert Stone brand, and Rhea has humiliated Robert Stone and Aaliyah. So now Mercedes Martinez is not only having the chance to beat up one of the most dominant women in NXT, but she's also revenging uh, how Rhea treated Robert Stone and Aaliyah. So that makes sense. What doesn't make sense here, Nick, is Dakota Kai's going out there against Rhea Ripley without a game plan. She's a heel going out against a dominant face, and for most of this match, she got beat up by Rhea. Where's Raina Gonzalez, a couple by the way? That's the question. Haven't seen her. You would think Excuse that me, Dakota Raquel. would have... I'm sorry. I, Old habits die hard. Die Jack. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, where was she? Where was, why was Dakota Kai out here without a plan? Why, did, why didn't we establish maybe after the match that she had gone to the Robert Stone brand and suggested to them, hey, if you want to get back at Rhea, maybe come out and help me out here. You know, we can both scratch each other's backs. Yep. Right? So that was missing here for me. It, and it was, a, it was a good match. Both the ladies are incredible workers. But that was something that was missing. Why did Dakota Kai come out and get win this match by essentially getting saved? Well, by I actually like Mercedes. Dakota going against Io as opposed to Rhea. I, I don't. What do you Say. What do you do with Rhea though now? Uh, after WrestleMania, she had that. She had what I think is the best match at WrestleMania, best wrestling match at WrestleMania. In with that match with Charlotte and has basically fallen from grace in the last few months since. And now you're having her lose to Dakota, regardless of the circumstances. You're going to have her lose and seemingly go off and have a program with Mercedes Martinez and the Robert Stone brand. Yeah. Yeah, all right. I mean, 
I'm fine with that because Rhea and Mercedes can go beat the crap out of each other, which is what they should be right. doing. Because Rhea, the, the second that Rhea gets it in her mind to go for that title again, she should win it. Yeah. The way you've built her and the way you want to keep her built for the future, she needs to just go and win it. I agree. Right? So keep her, get her doing something else. And for a minute, we had a little comedy angle with the Robert Stone brand. Now she looks like she's going for the title again. But then you, she gets distracted again. And that Robert Stone brand, now it's serious. Now we're still stuck in the Robert Stone brand, but it's you have an enforcer like Mercedes Martinez come along and say, uh, 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 not so fast. You're not going for that title yet. You have to deal with me yeah. first. Great. Keep Rhea occupied, but at the same time, keep her looking strong, which is what they did here. Again, my only issue was just the lack of logic with Dakota Kai coming to this match with no plan because it didn't make her look strong enough for Io. It made her look like Io's going to eat her alive. Either, either Which she probably either, either, is, and she should. I agree. I, I honestly agree. We haven't seen much of EO. You know? So why not make Dakota look like she could actually be a threat to yeah. EO? Otherwise, we're going into this going, ah, EO's going to beat her. Exactly. Right? That right there. You have to, if, she so, can put, if she can put Rhea Ripley down, she can put EO Shirai down. Correct. Whereas here, it looked like she got saved by lucky happenstance. Right? right? It wasn't that she planned. Like, even if she knew she couldn't beat Rhea one-on-one, she would have had a plan. Right, So you go into the Io Shirai match going, okay, even if she can't beat Io straight up, she will have a plan. Now we don't even know that she'll do that because she's willing to go into a match like this with no plan just and get beat. So that, I thought, was a, was a big hole in their booking here. That being said, that was not all the, uh, the booking on the show that raised eyebrows. We had a triple threat, Nick. A triple threat match, and the winner was going to go on to take over 30 in the ladder match, the five-man ladder match for the North American Championship. We had Damian Priest versus Oni Lorcan versus Ridge Holland, a debuting Ridge Holland. Uh, coming over from NXT UK. Don't know how they did that. He's but from Yorkshire. Here he is. Yeah, you, you don't say. Uh, this was... I, I did not have huge hopes for this match. I thought it would be, it would be fine. Man, they, they boys hit the crap out of they each other. They did. Um, ultimately, it finishes the way I thought it would, and, and I think it tells the mm-hmm. story about um, how... Br- I'll admit, I'll admit, you called this Bronson one. Bronson and then Loomis, and then it, it feels like it's all setting up for, for Priest to ultimately maybe pull this off and, and be that contender. So I'm... Here's where I... I'm not concerned about that. Like, all of the triple, triple okay. threats, fantastic. Where I get muddy is the losers side of this. So now anybody that's lost is going going to go into like a fatal five way or two fatal four way and and they both get to go in it and they determine who's going to be the fifth man. Like why not just have another another triple threat? Why 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 have like you could have just like Bronson Reed could have lost but still somehow magically gotten his way back into it through this sort of thing. I, I'm I'm just curious why they're doing this loser bracket stuff. It seems to take the shine off of the the the, the value of the triple threats if somebody can just lose and still get in well, anyway. I I told you that, that they were probably going to do that because what the way that they set it up was uh, the guys that lost the match that didn't actually get pinned to lose the yeah. match had beef and they were like, well, I didn't lose, you know, because these are triple threats. So I I liked that aspect of it. Right, you have the guys who lost the matches have another like, and I told you they probably were going to do that because you're having people like Gargano and Balor go out in triple threats like, and Thatcher. those are guys who would be amazing. Thatcher right. getting submitted or <laughs> choked out, <laughs> choked out, you put to sleep, um, and we do have the opportunity now with Loomis being out with a foot injury. Yeah. 
we've got another slot opening up. So we may actually see someone who wasn't originally slotted to be in there. Well, we will. We're going to have to. Um, but this match, Priest, Lorcan, and Holland, I thought was an eye-opener for all three of these guys. Lorcan looking like he can step up with guys who are bigger stars than he is and hold his own in a match and, you know, and pop and actually be someone who you kind of go, oh, who is that? Uh, Priest was Priest. I would say like he didn't show us anything new. He just showed us that he was, he was the star in this match. But then Ridge Holland, if you haven't ever seen him before, I have, I have to believe the people who had never seen Ridge Holland before were looking at him in this match and going, who the absolute hell is that guy? If, he, if he's not because, on the main roster by the end of the year, I'll be surprised. Yeah. I mean, you talk, talk about a guy who has pretty much everything. He's got it all. Guy can cut a promo, built like an absolute. I guess it depends on if he wants to stay over here or not. You know, we we don't know what his circumstances are coming over from the he's, UK. He's been over here. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he's stuck over here now, and they're like, "Well, we might as well use him. We got this this you know big talented guy." Um, you know, it's funny. I he's six one, and I have to imagine you know according to Road Dog logic, if he had two more inches on him, uh, he would already be champion. Well, he's not five eight like Adam <laughs> Cole, you know. No, <laughs> he's not an angry right. little elf. He's a big strapping boy. Uh, the guy's got the guy's got legs like tree trunks. He's built like a horse. He's built like a, a Clydesdale. Um, so no, that's what that's a guy like Vince is going to see him and be like, "Who's that, pal? Where you been hiding him, Triple H?" In the audience in a mask. Oh, I want him. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, my giblets have shivers. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, so Rich Holland, great debut here, even though he does lose, but he doesn't eat the pin. Oni eats the pin. Um, from a very, very angry Damian Priest who had a huge hematoma on the side of his face. Someone, someone caught him with an elbow or something. Uh, so yeah, Rich Holland's got a lot of future prospects. And as you said, we're going to now have the, um, the loser of next week's match. The guy, person who did not get pinned in next week's match. It was next week's Next Next week's match, which is going to be Kushida versus Cameron Grimes versus question mark versus who knows. Question mark's coming over uh, from NWA? Whoever, apparently. Uh, so whoever loses the, that match but doesn't get pinned is also going to be in one of two singles matches. And the winners of those two matches will, fi- will fill the fourth and fifth slots in this North American title match. Confused yet? Yes. Good grief. Yes. Good grief. So we've, we know we've got Damian Priest. We know we've got... Um, uh, I keep wanting to call him Jonah Rock. <laughs> Bronson Reed. <laughs> Bronson Reed. Dijak. Uh, and also Priest and Reed are going to have a match next week, which I also think is a strange booking decision because you're going to define which one of them is going to have the <clears throat> momentum going into the North American Championship match. So some very strange decisions yeah. here. But we could end up with Priest, Reed, Gargano, Balor, and Kushida all in a title match, all in a ladder match. And if that's if we get that match, <laughs> put it in my eye holes. Put it all the way in my eye holes, six inches deep in my eye Marshall holes. Marshall in the chat says the that. Google machine says that he Ridge Holland is 5'9". And uh, Marshall, facts have never stopped WWE before. So uh, that's what I would say. Now, Wikipedia says he's 6'1". Yeah. So <laughs> who, am I to, who am I to distrust Wik- Wik- yeah. Wikipedia? <laughs> If he's five nine, really? I don't think he's five nine. I don't think he's five nine. He seems a little bigger than five yeah. nine. But if he is, then damn. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, that would explain why he's not yep. champ yet, if he's if he is five nine. Yeah. Uh, but who is champ is Keith Lee. Baskin is glory. Keith Lee, who is not a happy man these days, and he had to have a match with Cameron Grimes, where Cameron Grimes found out what happens when Keith isn't happy, and that is he's going to beat your ass down. Um, this was a very fun match. It, it was built pretty much how it should be, with Keith having this very very sour demeanor, just not just not being there for Cameron's crap. Yeah. I'm just not here for your shit, boy. <laughs> and Cameron, of course, doing his uh, Ric Flair in his Coke days, his his best impressions of that. Oh, man, I'm, I'm here, Cameron Grimes. I'm going to get in that ring. I'm going to beat this big boy. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, that didn't happen. He got his ass beat by Keith Lee. Got a couple of moments of offense in, but ultimately Keith Lee just, could, just was not here no. for this. Put him down, and then... We had some uh, creepy Romanian being spoken of the loudspeaker, Scarlet somewhere, showing her Romanian heritage, and uh, I, it's which is which is also you know great and creepy because here in America we hear a Romanian and we immediately think vampires and creepy shit in Transylvania. Yeah, why didn't they put um, her with uh, Damian Priest? <laughs> he's going for a different thing I apparently, guess. but it works for Carrie and yep. Cross because you know he does he's being built as like this harbinger of the apocalypse, and sure enough. His big old buggy eyes pop up on the screen. He says, well, Mr. Lee, uh, you didn't, you're letting Mr. Regal stop you from our match. You're the man who makes the decisions. If you want it, you got it. But until then, I guess we're doing it the hard way. And the camera pans back out, and you see Karrion Cross is actually has his shirt kind of ripped most of the way off, and there's just bodies and weight, he's in the weight room somewhere in the PC, and there's just bodies and debris all over the floor. Apparently, he's just killed a bunch of people. Nice. He's a bad, bad man. People are going to keep getting hurt until Keith Lee gives him what he wants. Give me what I want! Um, Kyle popping the chair so, with the tip jars. Oh. Two bucks. Thank you, sir. Says Ridge Holland, if, Brick, if, Brick, if Brock had a voice that matched his body. Scary potential. <laughs> I agree with that completely. Yeah. Uh, like I said, that it's the, it's the traps. It's, it's the traps. Isn't it the traps and the width? Like he's just Height, height you, you can know. overcome with camera angles. But that size and that ability that he's got, you that yeah. you can't be with a the camera. natural, the genetics, the body yep. type is just it's it's pretty captivating. You can see why Vince likes big boys because it does when that guy when someone like that pops comes on screen, you go, what the hell is that yep. thing? Kyle again with another uh, two bucks says Kyle booking. Thank you, man. Uh, he says since Cross is running through the War Games participants, make Kevin Owens the mystery opponent. Huh? I'm not I'm For, not mad at that. Wait a minute. For Carrie Cross well, is going through Grimes all the different Kevin war Owens. games participants. So where's Kevin Owens, who was the surprise last during the during well, war I mean, games? I don't know if he's going. Oh, I see what you're saying. He's he's knocking. Well, I don't know if that's really Cross's mission yeah. though, because uh, he's. I mean, next week he's got Danny Burch. Uh, I think he's just here for the yeah. title. Me too. I don't see him being war game specific, although. You know, Cross versus Owens. Wouldn't be no. mad at that. Probably Thank you very much, Kyle. Because he's on a rocket ship going straight to yep. the top. Uh, so, yeah, the Grimes match was just what it should have been. Um, I thought Lee's change in demeanor was fantastic. I love Serious Lee. Eh, seriously, I love Serious Lee. Never mind. Uh, digging, it, digging it all around. Digging this whole cross angle. Mwah. Keep and they also Fantastic. protected Grimes' finisher here because he was never able to get the cave-in off on, yeah. on Keith. So yeah. Gr- Grimes still protected here somewhat. Um, and I and he shouldn't. He should look like a guy who Keith Lee's going to yeah. kill. And he's just trying to get away from Keith Lee the entire time and, you know, trying to chop him down and try to, like, whatever squirrely ways he can. He just, he just could not. And Keith's too angry to be put down yeah. right now. 
Exactly. So all around well booked. Um, that being said, I I mm, I'm on the fence about this one, Nick. Legado de Fantasma. They uh, they attack Brizango outside, drag Fandango into what the are ring. They doing out in the parking lot. Just that's where they live. No, Brizango. Like, don't you guys know better at this point than to go to the performance that's, center parking lot? Yeah, never ever go to the performance <laughs> center parking lot. It's the most dangerous place there is. You're gonna. I mean, you're gonna get what injured. What did you think was gonna happen? Like Kenta. Yeah. Sorry, Hideo Itami. Um, but yeah, so they so they get captured. Uh, Fandango gets brought back in, beat up by like out of the Fantasma. Um, we have a speech about how they have mocked the legacy of Lucha, which they did. They they did. They came out of Los Conquistadores. Yeah. They they did kind of mock yeah. Lucha, so they kind of they kind of deserve to get beat yeah. up here. I'm just I'm kind of on like out of the Fantasma's side here. Wow. Like I know it was a heel speech, and he's he's like, yeah, these guys, you know, disrespected my culture. I'm kind of on his side with this. Like, they, Fandango was kind of disrespectful. I'm just saying. But Breeze comes in. He gets beat up, too. Uh, and they also called out uh, Swerve Scott. So, not, no word about Drake Maverick, though, which was interesting. Still, to this point. That was kind of the, yeah. yeah. And, and this was, so, so the thing I loved, I loved about this the most was how good it made uh, Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza look. They were the ones doing the beatdowns, and you had uh, Santos Escobar. There, I'll say it. Yes. You had Santos Escobar. <laughs> You had King Cuerno basically doing his thing, standing tall and just being this champ and just cutting everything down on the mic. Meanwhile, over there is Fandango getting his ass whipped by uh, the two the two goons. But it still makes them look strong. I At a certain point, you're going to believe that those two guys could go up for the NXT Tag Team Championships if we keep this faction thing going. A little bit longer, yep. so I I liked this for multiple reasons, and and I'm starting to come around on Santos Escobar. I'm not I'm not I knew I'm you not would. quite I, I there yet, would. but I'm I'm coming I told around. You, you would. It's a matter of time. He's definitely You're got gonna. the look. Uh, absolutely everything. I'm loving everything about their presentation. Uh, I loved I loved how they debuted. I love everything they're doing with Legado de Fantasma, except for the fact they're having a feud with Brizango, right. because I feel that's that is beneath them. I feel like Brizongo has fallen off so much now that this is not going to elevate Legado de Fantasma at all. And especially if they, for some ungodly reason, allow Brizongo to win this yeah. feud. So I am, I'm nervous about that. Uh, we also had a couple more quick matches just to establish people as being strong. Bronson Reed looked dominant against Shane Thorne, uh, so, which is, makes sense. Reed needs to look strong going into next week against Priest and going to take over 30. Um, I feel I just feel bad for Shane Thorne here. I, they haven't to really done extent, anything. The guy's talented as hell. I mean, when it, about a year ago, or somebody I read somewhere somebody called attention to it. Uh, Shane, the last time these two met in the ring, Shane Thorne, it was actually his last singles victory was against Bronson, a debuting or a new Bronson Reed coming into NXT. So that was it was it was an interesting comeback and like where has Shane Thorne been fine is he going to be a singles now well, now that he's lost his tag team partner and uh Thatcher's gone off and done things on the side so, so yeah Shane Thorne if he had to come out and get his ass whooped I thought it looked good against Bronson Reed plus it makes Reed look even stronger as well so yeah, yeah. no it does I just feel bad yeah. for Shane I love anybody who's got a berserk tattoo uh Tegan Knox put down Indy Hartwell who they're using more and more. I think Indy's going to have a bright future. She's got a good in-ring demeanor. Um, but this is en route to a possible Candice feud at some point. You have to assume because they keep bringing up Candice's name. 
around Tegan, and they released a statement from Candace about Tegan. So um, Tegan gets some shine back, beating Indy Hartwell. So what is next for her, we don't know. But right now they're having her at least look good against someone like Indy, who I think they also have plans for. So good stuff all around. Again, a solid NXT show. Just uh, They just couldn't beat AEW nope. this week. AEW just had a little bit more mo 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 momentum <laughs> but uh but two really good shows on wednesday night but that wasn't all the wrestling that happened this week nick oh no because on friday night we had smackdown so we're starting at the end and working our way backwards because this was the thing we all yeah, we need have to talk to. we need to talk about we, we need to have a yep. conversation about how smackdown wrapped up and went off the air retribution mm. Yeah. who made themselves known on Monday Night Raw with technical glitches and Molotov cocktailing a, a generator, a power generator outside, <laughs> which makes no sense. Why are you throwing uh, open flames at a diesel generator? Anyway, uh, <laughs> Retribution attacks at the end of the show. And Ian, this is one of those things that we've wanted, we've, we've seen... We've seen S.H.I.E.L.D. do something not quite this extreme, but be disruptive mm. like this uh, when they were debuting. Yeah. Uh, we saw Sanity try to come up to the main roster and do their thing, but it just never went anywhere because it was treated absolutely effing terribly. Like it, was, it was a joke. Yeah. <sighs> what Was this effective? I love, how Vince, I love how Vince didn't, quote, get Sanity, but here's Retribution coming in at the end of the show. Uh, five masked individuals dressed in hoodies and ski masks coming in with spray paint and bats and two-by-fours and crowbars and chasing out all the cameramen, um, smashing all, like, you know, smashing everything, beating on everything, uh, beating up a few of the PC uh, audience members, and then getting into the ring uh, using a chainsaw to cut the ropes, spray painting no WWE stuff, slogans everywhere. Um, more reminiscent, I think, of the Nexus debut than anything, sure. except not as wrestling oriented. This was much more. I, I can't help but but think it's a direct response to Portland and Antifa writers, yeah. and just some of the stuff. Writers, the writers that are, that's happening right now. Um, and once again, WWE. Uh, seemingly on the wrong side of any topical concept, um, using topical concepts in ways that w we really don't want to see. Um, I, I, I just saw this and went, really, of all the things, when you look at the world right now, WWE, and you want to create a new fashion, this is the stuff you look at and say, hey, I bet if we did this, it would push some buttons. That's, that was the thought. And not only that, but to do it in a way that made... It uh, the way it was shot, the production of it, and even the the way like the way that they moved, the way that the individuals in Retribution moved, and and honestly, and I hate to say this because we have a lot of discussions about size and wrestling and everything, but they're all not big no. people. One of them was is suspected to be Vanessa Bourne because of the hair that popped out at the one point, um, and if no one is significantly taller than Vanessa Bourne. You don't have a big faction. And in WWE, if you don't have big people in your faction, you're kind of doomed from the start. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. They didn't look like large no. individuals. It looked like a bunch of school kids coming out there and wrecking yep. stuff. Um, I, don't, I don't personally think that this was a good look 
for the faction. It wasn't a good look for WWE. It was definitely a very jarring way to end the show. It made you kind of sit up and go, okay, what's happening? Um, but uh, yeah, I, Nick, what, what did you think? Did you think this was a, a strong concept executed brilliantly? No. <laughs> strong concept yes i want to say that i i like the okay. idea of retribution poorly timed is uh is one way yeah. i would say it also uh I, they went after the commentary as well and i didn't need michael cole to explain the plot to me before he uh, uh, this is retribution <laughs> they're tearing everything they're the ones responsible for all the technicals and oh, got them out of here <laughs> just, Wait a just second, run Nick. You don't like Michael Cole explaining things no. to you? Then why are you watching SmackDown? I I like him being it's a play-by-play -play guy, but I don't need him to tell me. He's running play-by-play -play in a terrorist attack. I don't need attack. log lines of the TV show. Like I, I don't need the <laughs> synopsis of like. They're all wearing masks. They have items. Uh, they're now coming for me. They're carrying <laughs> me away to the back. Oh my God! They're taking off my pants. Oh Jesus! They're spanking me. They are spanking me. <laughs> Michael Cole running down. No, don't put that in everything. there. I wonder if Michael Cole announced his own loss of virginity. Oh man. Uh, anyway, so, so, okay, so to finish, so was, to finish my point the, there, there was there were. I loved the ending with the chain when the chainsaw. That was the climax of it. Really cutting the ropes, holding it up in the air, and just revving it over. And I was like, oh wow, that's not an OSHA violation at all. Having an open chainsaw huh. around a bunch of people without any PPE on. Okay, uh, they might get some fines for that one. But <laughs> I love that. There was a there was a moment to. where they were there was an uncomfortable situation where they were dragging one of the female superstars by her ankles across yeah. the floor and I was just going, oh, oh no don't do that. Now luckily they tried to make it very clear that the one who ultimately attacked her was the female of Retribution. <sighs> But yeah, there was definitely a moment there where it was like, oh no. I mean, do that with no, one of the guys. Listen, I don't want to say what's not what's good for the goose, good for the gander, all that stuff, right? It, it, but I, I, something like that, I just don't want to see on Friday night primetime television on Fox. <laughs> if you know they I mean? were trying to make their audience uncomfortable, they may have done so, but not in the way that they might have yeah. intended. Regardless, this this does kind of smell like classic WWE. Let's pop up an angle and just throw something on TV that's topical. It's going to you know make people think about things that are happening in the real world. Um, but it just might not have been in the light that people want to see it put on their TV. And we've got, you know, we're thinking about this enough, guys. Thank you. Thank you for reminding us. Um, that being said, let's take a step back and look at this as a whole. Do we think that Retribution as a faction could at some point be viable given what we know about them so far, given how WWE is presenting them. Is this a concept that has legs or is this DOA? I, until I see something different, they haven't shown me anything. I mean, I want to see a big grandiose gesture very quickly. It, you can't keep doing the light flickering and the mic interferences and just general nuisance kind of stuff for a long period you need to come out and make a statement if that was they're just back there by the light switch going yeah <laughs> and giggling <laughs> about it anarchy <laughs> anti-fascism <laughs> we're making your lights flicker and your mics go right. on and off <laughs> get get vince's limo involved like do we something vince. we believe in nothing right i mean disrupt <laughs> blow up vince's it's, limo that's not it, i'll give you a guys a, a nick booking <laughs> teaser right in nick booking i said no. uh was it was it becky lynch hooked up the truck the tv truck and drove it away and completely what took it off the air like if Turn it up to 11. 
Like, do something yeah. crazy. Don't just have chainsaw. Okay. Somebody come out and say something. Give me a mission statement. I want to know well, what you're about. I want to know why you're here, what you're pissed off about, all of that stuff. Okay, well, have patience. That's coming. I that's what I said. Like, wait and, wait, like, wait and see. This was this was this segment. I want to know. Think there, like, <laughs> that was just the point. Now you're, you're going to come back next week and find out, right? Trying to boost the ratings. We'll come back next week. You'll find out whose retribution is, what their mission statement is. Come on back now. You hear? Why are they here? The what was he doing with that chainsaw? Tune in next week to find right. out. Right. Why did Vanessa Bourne touch herself strangely sexily after kicking the woman in the face? We don't know. Come back next week and find out. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? You why asked did, me the question. Why do none of them know how to use a, 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 a spray paint can? Like, everyone's just spraying stuff. And, they were oh, just anyway. spraying lines across the, the, the tarp, right? Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? You asked me. I'll ask you back. DOA or does this okay. have legs? It has legs. And the reason is, is I think that it's something new and exciting. And it's, I know that there's some people that did like this. A lot of people didn't like this. It's controversial. It's going to, you know, pop ratings. Um, unfortunately, I don't know how long its legs yep. are. I, it, they might be as, as short as some of the Smurfs they have under these black masks in Retribution. Uh, but they might actually have longer legs. And it, they might actually be able to turn this into something interesting, depending on how it's yep. handled. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm very skeptical. I, I'm... I'm going to try and remain skeptically optimistic that they can actually do something good with this because right now I did not I did not enjoy this the way that I think they wanted me to. I was definitely intrigued. I watched it and went, "Huh, that's this is a, this is a choice. WWE's they're trying something." This is the face I was making they're the shaking, whole time. They're shaking it up. Yeah. I, okay. So on that level, like <laughs> when WWE wants to throw something at the wall, I was De Niroing the whole time. Yeah. All right. All right. If WWE wants to throw something to the wall, all right. I'm curious to see if it if it sticks or if it slides down to the floor in a big goopy mass. Um, and this could very easily yeah. go either yeah. way. So, very curious. Um, it is really going to depend on who's under the masks. Yeah. I, I've seen people postulate that one of them was Champa, um, who supposedly was never going to come to the main roster, but he's not in NXT at all. And he'd be a, if one of them is Champa. You have my attention yes. because he's a guy who on the mic can put over this yes. faction. If he's not in this, then I am very curious who they've got in this faction who could possibly legitimize. And I could them. see him coming out in his camo pants and, you know, shaved sure. head and big beard and just coming out and being leading this organization in, in a very real way. If, if Champa comes out as the leader of this group, that is a big plus 10 bonus points. Uh, on top of this, but it tur- if it turns out to be Vanessa Bourne and Chelsea Green, I'm just uh, yeah, <laughs> no, just <laughs> yeah. I we'd we'd heard that at one point that Dijak had been called up, and I guess he got called back for the Keith Lee stuff, which you might have dodged a bullet. But imagine if you had four, you know, the whatever you want to like average size to small size people in this, and then one monster. <laughs> that would I don't know. I think that would have yeah. helped them if Dijak had been in the Kyle group. with another two bucks uh, in the super chat or not super chats you, anymore. It's the tip jar again. Uh, I will yeah. say that WWE really needs to examine how they are presenting women because I will tell you what's worse than AEW not doing anything: using women as props or objectifying them like Alexa Stockholm syndrome and one trainee on the floor. Be better, WWE. I I partly agree with that um, because I think that they are making some of the women's programs at the you know the very very top of their programs 
But conversely, he has a point. You know, like we said, the moment with the with the trainee outside was was uncomfortable, and not for the reasons I think that they wanted it to be uncomfortable. Um, and let's talk about Bray Wyatt and Alexa yes. Bliss because he brought it up. Um, because this was this was a bad look for a totally different reason. Because we knew the fiend was going to show up because we had a Firefly Funhouse at the top of the show saying with Bray saying, "Well, the fiend's back, so Braun, if you want to save Alexa, you better show up." And the Fiend does his entrance, and we go to commercial. And then when we come back, we are exactly in the same position and scene as we were at the end of last week's SmackDown with the Fiend, Alexa Bliss, in the middle of the ring, in the exact same outfit she had last week. Because they pre-taped it. <sighs> and, and we, Continuity, the ex- people! The Fiend does exactly what he did last time where he goes to shove his mandible claw into her pretty little mouth. But then she reaches up and caresses the scar on the side of his mask. And he's, okay, that was weird. He pulls away. No, no, I can't feel emotions. Like very Phantom of the Opera. Very Phantom, kind of yeah. <laughs> this is all very theatrical. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Braun Strowman appears on the Titan Tron. Hey, Bray. Doing his best bat voice. I am the knight. Um, there you go. Yeah, Braun Strowman. I, I, I got to do something. I, I wore my you. shirt today and everything. You probably hated this, though. Uh, <laughs> so Braun Strowman shows up on the monitor and says, I don't give a crap about Alexa Bliss. You can have her. I just want you to know, Bray, if the only way I was getting out of that swamp is if I came out the most evil son of a bitch that ever walked God's green earth, or if I ripped you limb from limb. And the fact that you're standing right there means I must be the most evil son of a bitch on the planet. I let him out. Oh, I let the monster out. I'm no longer a man. I'm a monster. <laughs> so Braun doesn't care about Alexa Bliss, uh, but he's coming for the fiend, and now he's the monster. And then this just ends. No, doesn't tell us what happens to Alexa. Alexa doesn't ex- does she escape? Well, I don't know. But Braun apparently is now supercharged. Braun, he's fulfilled his destiny. He's become what he always was supposed to be. He's he's ex- he's achieved his final I guess. form. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> now he is Broly Braun. Yeah. Um, I know you don't get that, Nick, but no. those who listen to. Uh, okay, so what? I want to hear what you thought about the segment. You're the Braun man around here. Let's hear what you thought about the segment. Well, the segment was a mess. The, the whole, I mean, from the beginning to end, <laughs> okay. it, it was a mess. Right? I, I admit that. Lex is in the same outfit. The, the touching the mask and caressing the scars of it are weird. Doesn't make a lot of sense if she doesn't start coming out in the black lace Sister Abigail kit that she was in during the swamp match. I'm going to be confused because it felt like that's where we were headed with this whole thing anyway. Right. Uh, I think for for Braun's bit on the Tron, if we can just isolate that, I liked that. It, it's different. Even though he looked like he was bent over his computer while taking a crap. Instead of picking apart the that the nuance of the the way it was delivered, think I like the message of it that we've gone back to original Braun Strowman from three or four years ago. We've gone back to the monster. Uh, we saw we've seen traces of this as we've come up through the matches throughout the summer. Uh, and this is going to this is basically just to build up to a final showdown, monster versus fiend at SummerSlam. Okay. And and I can get on board with that. What I what I can't tolerate, frankly, is the is the just ignorance, and just the the lack of continuity, the terrible execution of the segment, the production stuff. 
Mm. And it, it, this could this could have been so much better. Why did we have? Why did we spend the capital of a fiend entrance on a SmackDown where there wasn't even any kind of face-off or showdown? There wasn't any sort of extended interaction between Alexa Bliss and the Fiend without any kind of storyline other than that. Oh, that one reaction yeah. that he had. Like, just the I production saw something online. Someone, someone online said that that Bray Wyatt is usually very detail oriented. And that's true. And I feel like in this segment there was a lot of details that slipped through the cracks. Yeah. And one wonders why. And and you have to want you have to wonder if it's because they were, you know, gunslinging this. Like they were just trying to you know, Vince tore up the script and they were trying to throw something together. You no, know, it felt like they had snipped out the part with Alexa Bliss in the ring out of a take from yeah. last week. How did, how does she get there? Why does why does he still have her in the exact same spot in the ring? You can't just go, it's magic. You know, like give us something here, or or explain why it's magic that it, that it's happening. Like it I don't just, even need it, to explain to me. Just like make it make sense in the the edit. But you, know you can I mean? take something that makes no sense, no sense and make it make sense with with a sentence here sure. or or something, um, or like you said, like a single shot where there's a way to to do this where it doesn't seem cheesy and cheap and arbitrary and silly, um, and the same thing with Braun. Right again, it was it was not a good visual yeah. of him, and I'm okay, fine. He's using a bat voice to do it. Um, it he's done that before. He's got that kind of growly voice. Yeah. Fine, it's his wrestling voice. Um, but the but to take to strip away all of that stuff, all of that presentational stuff. Let's take all that away and look at what they're try- like what the story is. That I like. Braun Strowman was always destined to be this horrific, monstrous thing. Bray Wyatt knew that, and that's why he initially made him his black sheep because he felt like Braun was whatever you want, a harbinger of the apocalypse like sure. Karrion Cross or whatever, right? He was a monster, and Bray wanted that. And that's why he's been trying to get Braun back without killing him is he wants that powerful thing that Braun becomes. And maybe that's because Braun is the one thing that's more powerful than the Fiend. And if so having like a big kaiju battle at SummerSlam between The Fiend and Braun is kind of, that's a cool idea when framed like that. I'm in. That is a cool concept. Unfortunately, the production cut that off at the hamstrings. Yep. And if, if that's what you're trying to sell me on, they've got a couple more weeks to do it. And it's, they didn't, the, the train didn't go off the tracks. The Braun Express did not go off the tracks here, but it's teetering. Yep. It's teetering on one wheel uh, because this, I think, could have driven away a lot of people who otherwise might have been invested in it. Yeah. I, and that's I, what we're... It sounds like we're exactly on the same page. Okay. Yeah. Well, then good. Then we'll move, yeah. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, the one, the the one last thing of, I, I will say, oh. I'll throw in there, is that uh, I do want to see a bit of a redemption here for Alexa Bliss. I feel like she is... Nikki went off, had her matches and everything. I want to see Alexa Bliss maybe somehow being the one that saves Braun. From the fiend, I'd, I'd like to see yeah, something like, to, like yeah. that, some sort of redemption, something where she's not just the damsel in distress. Yeah, I just don't. And, she's like, not just there just for Bray to put her his fingers in her mouth, just, like, right? And then get something. like a we- get like a weird fat boy boner when he, she touches his face. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> whatever the heck that was. Um, like please, it was Husky give me a, Harris. Give me a reason. <laughs> yeah, I was Husky being like, I ain't never touched a woman. Oh jeez, oh, 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 I'm getting some tinglys down in my jubblies. Yeah, don't that was I give if that pays off down the road, fine. 
but right now there there this was not a good look. No. So let's talk about the cycle of distractions. That's right. All of the, we had a cycle of matches where we had no consistent finishes. I need a, and I need a Benny I, Hill music, uh, yeah, just a music bed to play over here while we do these. Okay, so Matt Riddle and Sheamus start out the show, which on paper I was very excited about. Matt Riddle's finally facing Sheamus, and these two guys beat the crap out of each other, um, covered in sweat by the end of this match. These guys did some; they put in some whole work. But it didn't end clean because Chad Gable ran down to the ring and interfered and cost Sheamus the match by getting by hitting Matt Riddle and causing uh, Sheamus to get DQ'd. Afterwards, Matt Riddle went, oh, well, bro, beat up Chad Gable and walked off. Sheamus then got Chad Gable in the ring, gave him two brogue kicks for his trouble, and bye-bye, Chad Gable, thank you for coming. Um, however, Sheamus then went backstage and got in Baron Corbin's face, saying, why'd you send your little goon out there to mess up my match? And Corbin said, ah, piss off. I've got a hot chick here who I didn't recognize. I, I have no idea who bachelor, that is. Another bachelor chick. I don't know. Um, they're having random, like, D-list celebrities on WWE these days. I don't know why. It's bizarre. But um, uh, then they're we Instagram had... Instagram influencers. Oh, uh, yeah. influencers. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look at this brand yeah. new butt cream that I've got to sell you. Oh. Um, so Corbin goes out of the ring for his match against Jeff Hardy. At the end of this, Sheamus comes out, Sheamus comes out, interrupts that match. So Jeff Hardy wins that match by DQ. And then we've got Sheamus and Baron Corbin having a nice knockdown drag out match, which was actually shockingly entertaining yeah, because that's two big, two big boys doing big boy things on each other. And I didn't know I wanted that match until I saw them start kicking the crap out of each other. I'm saying this about a Baron Corbin match, where I went, oh, 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 damn. He's taking his licks and giving his licks. Was, all right. But this match ends in a DQ as well because Matt Riddle comes out and gets involved in the finish, and Sheamus ultimately picks up the win. <sighs> so that's a lot of matches with a lot of non-finish. Oh, sorry. No, Sheamus ultimately beats Baron Corbin, doesn't he? Hold on. Let me check my notes real quick. I can't keep up because <laughs> Riddle came back out. Uh, Gable came out and attacked Sheamus, so Riddle no, got Sheamus straight the up, win. Sheamus straight up beat Sheamus, Sheamus straight up beat King Corbin. Right, that's what it was. But then, but then R Riddle comes out. Was it? I can't. I don't know. Riddle came out to cause the distraction for the brogue kick. That's what it was. Right. So I knew Riddle figured into the finish, but Sheamus did straight up pin Baron Corbin. But okay, <laughs> lots of stuff. <laughs> lots of people interfering in each other's matches. Lots of things I didn't see coming, like the fact that Sheamus is now on the same page as Matt Riddle, which is very interesting to look at. And you've got Baron Corbin, who's now got Chad Gable on his side. Do you think we're heading towards a tag team? Like a, some sort of tag match situation? Oh, no. Do you think Riddle and Sheamus are going to team up now? No. Because is it, wouldn't it be a little bit too soon? It's bizarre, because Sheamus was, was, by the end of the show, working almost face. Eight, he just, Matt Riddle he, just beat AJ Styles in a non-title match. Why is he getting relegated to a tag team with Sheamus? That's, I mean, that's not bad. That's that's upper middle card. Yeah. There's nowhere else for him to go. He's done with AJ. What else are you going to do with him? Have him work with a whole bunch of the people that you have there. It's better than a, it's better than a straight up Matt Riddle Baron Corbin feud. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, you know, you know I'm right. You know I'm right. It's better than a straight-up feud. This is at least I'm sitting here going, "What's going on? What do you guys have planned here?" That's intriguing me. I'm keeping it's keeping me invested. Even though you had a bunch of matches with no real finish here, they're setting up something that has me intrigued. We need more tag teams. You know what? But if that's what we end up with, we need fantastic. more tag teams. 
You need more tag teams. That is true as well. You guys know how also, much I love that. Mm, especially one of the, the two uh, two singles wrestlers as tag teams. Mmm, Nick. Mmm. Mmm. Two singles flavored ice cream. You love it. Put it on a put it on an ice cream cone and eat it up. The thing, the question I have here is if Seamus is turning face. Isn't it a little bit close to the angle where he mocked a, a recovering alcoholic and tried to frame him for drunk driving? Yeah, hit and run little, DUI. Where's Elias? A little bit close to that to be trying to turn a man face if that's what they're trying to do here. Right. Or if they're trying to have some sort of weird three-way dance thing with Sheamus and Matt Riddle and Baron Corbin, I could, be in, I could get behind that as well. They've got to do something with Sheamus. But the question is, where does Jeff Hardy fit in? He had a match here tonight. It was an irrelevant match. He figured in no other, none of the other matches. Chad Gable actually figured in something here, even though he got his ass beat and looked like a joke again because that guy just can't get justice no matter what side of the, of the pen he's on. Yeah. If he's a, if a good guy or a bad guy, he just, he's going to get beat down and look like crap no matter what. <sighs> so I'm not sure where they're going with this. It feels like they did a whole lot here to fill time on the show for very little payoff yet. But it does seem like they've got something in mind. Yeah. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt there. It seems like they have something in mind. We could find out next week they have no idea what they're doing. And they just did this to kill time. So this is one thing I can't, I can't really weigh in on right now. Because I don't know where they're going with it. If they're going somewhere. Neither do they. If they are. If they are, okay, cool. If they aren't, bah. They won't know where they're going with it until about two hours before SmackDown next Friday. That's quite possible. The way things have been going. Yep. Um, just hope at some point they give our boy Gable some love. Yep. Because he got none on the show. He looked ineffective. He looked unintelligent. He looked like he ran into a meat grinder. Uh, just because, oh, because I want money. <laughs> bad look. Yeah. Bad look. Uh, also a bad look for Sasha and Bailey because they got reamed by Stephanie McMahon, who was so upset at them that they found a loophole in her master plan with that Oscar match. Ooh, Sasha, you naughty. I tried to create a, an even match where Asuka could uh, retain her championship, even if it was a, 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 a disqualification or a countout. Even though, looking at it, it completely, obviously favored Sasha. But it's Stephanie McMahon, so let's not let reality get in the way of her self-perception here. Right. No, no. But Stephanie did announce that Sasha will be facing Asuka at SummerSlam and that Bailey will be facing the winner of a triple brand battle royale, meaning NXT, SmackDown, and Raw, women from all three brands, and whoever wins the battle royale will face Bailey at SummerSlam. You got any ideas? Now on the, well, on the one hand here, that's, that leaves the door open for a big opportunity for somebody that otherwise would not have been used. Plus, you have the possibility someone from Monday Night Raw could be used on SmackDown. Um... It opens the door wide for them. The downside is good luck finding someone who's going to have a story with Bailey and will be believable in taking it off of her. Because why would you have some rando show up and take it off of her? Right. Right. Everyone who I could think of who could legitimately come up and take the title off of Bailey and be on either main roster or jump to SmackDown or is currently on SmackDown, everyone I can think of is either in a program already uh, or is not viable. To take it off her. Like, you couldn't believe that they're going to take it off of her. Marshall said Shayna Baszler, and I say no because she's wrapped up in the Raw Women's Championship waiting for Asuka to get it, uh, get it back so she can go after Asuka, which I'm in for. I'm here for that. Yeah, unless they really want to make things confusing and have Shayna 
saying she wants the Raw championship and then going for the SmackDown championship. Yeah, that I think would be a little too much. Yeah. Is, again, is she legitimate? Yes. Doesn't seem to doesn't doesn't work for me, pal. Yeah. As as Kevin Nash would say, doesn't work for me, brother. Um, Rhea Ripley could legitimately take it off of Bailey. She's busy. You know, yeah. that kind of, you know, Shirai, she's currently a champ. So there's, you look at any, like anyone and I'm sitting here going, why are they waiting again for Sasha versus Bailey? Are they going to seriously try to hold off on that feud until WrestleMania? Which one? Are we the next year's WrestleMania? Sasha versus Bailey. Like everyone suspected, we suspected. Oh, Sasha versus Bailey at SummerSlam. Nope, they're not even close they're they're barely even throwing hints out about any dissension between the two of them now they're on the same page yeah are we going to seriously run them as friends all the way through the road to, to the road to wrestlemania and only have them start breaking up around the rumble maybe really maybe uh, really? i think we could see some hints at it uh, at SummerSlam because they're both doing their own separate things they're not going to be able to be there allegedly uh to support each other so could one support one and the other one doesn't support the other and we get something called out for, for that? I, I don't know. Yeah. It, I think we could start hinting at it more aggressively, drive it through Survivor Series, get to the Royal Rumble, and then really start tearing it apart and let it run for four months heading all the way to me. That's, I could see that. Yeah. I like wow. that long-term kind of stuff like that. You know, well, It's just been going too long damn long-term already. <laughs> Vince does plan for next year's WrestleMania after the, the previous year. So if his if his mind is we're going to build Sasha Bailey all year, then that would explain why it's going so slowly. Yep. Kyle well, with another pumping the brakes on it. With Kyle with another two bucks in the tip jar. Thank you, sir. He says, uh, "Thank you, brother." If Shotzi doesn't win the cross brand SmackDown Battle Royale, then they are they NBC are leaving money on the table with that World of Tanks sponsorship. <laughs> Clever. Little uh, other it. candidates, Tegan and Rhea. Uh, what do you think Rhea's about Tegan? In a program. Tegan's in a pseudo program with Candace. They could theoretically do her, but I don't know if they want to bring her up and have her lose to Bailey because she's not going to come up to the main roster permanently. And neither is Shotzi. Yeah. I don't see either of them coming up and believably going for her title in a way where I'm going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, they could totally win and then just move to SmackDown right now. I don't think so. No. I, I if they were cuz because that would be a massive massive strapping of the rocket to either of those women and there's been no build for it. like I know there's a little bit of history with with them coming back down to NXT um for the tag match. Uh so yeah, theoretically, but again, I just don't see it as being something where I'm going to think Bailey's actually in jeopardy. If I had to pick one right now, title. Naomi Naomi, because she's already on SmackDown and there's been the movement to get behind her and everything. But then again, she wasn't even on TV this week. Yep. So I don't know how much they even gave a crap about that movement beyond just lip service. Yep. So, yeah, we will see what happens there. Uh, we also had a fairly large program as well with, uh, with Miz and Morrison, Heavy Machinery, Mandy, and, um, and Sonya Deville, which uh, started off with the dirt sheet where the special guest was Mandy Rose's hair. And you had Miz and Morrison in the ring and a piece of hair on a string with eyeballs on it, googly eyes like on it. Like a mop bouncing around, being moved around. Yeah, bouncing around <laughs> on the monitor behind them. Because last week, Sonya Deville cut off some of Mandy Rose's hair. And um, 
All I know is this was absolutely idiotic. Yep. And so damn fun. I I was sitting there going, what the actual F is this? But I couldn't help but laugh at how go- my inner 12-year-old giggled several times. Yeah. Mostly at comments made by yep. Miz and Morrison, who, who were a- a- visibly mouthing the words of the mop, <laughs> of the hair. Uh, yeah. No, she never take. T- she I never let me show my roots and all. The, okay. Yeah. It was it was very fun, um, very dumb. And yes, I'm a grown ass man, so I don't giggle anymore. But I chortled yeah. quite a bit at this. <laughs> a lot of chortling. It was it, again dumb. But ultimately, um, they've made just too much fun of Mandy Rose, and out came Otis and Tucker to chase off Miz and Morrison. Uh, they also had Sonya Deville out with them, so she got involved in this. And later on, it got booked uh, Miz and Morrison versus Heavy Machinery. Otis visibly distressed backstage. They were insulting his girlfriend. He couldn't handle it. He's like, there's a time when the joking stops and serious Otis comes out and serious Otis is here. And we had a serious match, Miz and Morrison versus Heavy Machinery, uh, which was fine until, as you would imagine, because Sonya Deville was ringside, Mandy Rose and her new shorter hair came out and just started pummeling Sonia Deville, which somehow stopped the match, even though neither of them were involved in the match. Once again, like with Asuka and Bailey outside of the ring, for some reason, these two women who are not involved in the match and not touching any other, other participants in the match caused the match to be called. Which Miz and Morrison <laughs> versus Heavy Machinery, I'm here for. Like, yeah. I, I wanted to see that match. We got Heavy Machinery back. Yeah, all right, finally, yes. Yeah. And if they go forward with a three-on-three feud, which it looks like they will, I feel like the Mandy and Sonya thing's getting a little bit long in the tooth. But I'm here for it. Fine. I'm here for it. I'm I'm entertained by it still. The performers are all there. Yep. Right? The talent is there. The plot's getting a little bit long in the tooth. They can can make me invested in it. The way that Miz and Morrison handled themselves in the dirt sheet, the way that Heavy Machinery handled their promos, the intensity between Mandy and Sonya, they're still as intense as ever. They're beating the crap out of each other. And I love how they that. just stop the match and they just don't even have beef anymore and they're just trying to pull their respective woman away from the other one. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. Wouldn't Miz and Morrison okay. just let her go and, and just like let her beat up Mandy Rose? Why, why would they, they be pulling Sonya Deville away from... Uh, they just well, doesn't matter. I get regardless, it. regardless, I'm, this is... I, I can... I'm not mad at this. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. It's fine. Uh, Lindsay Dorado got a single shot against Cesaro who... Showed again why he's considered one of the greatest underrated wrestlers in WWE by being probably the best lucha base you could possibly be here. Uh, he was hucking Lindsay all over the place. Lindsay looked great, but ultimately Cesaro put him down, which is fine. That's how it should be. Cesaro and Nakamura have to look strong, and Lucha House Party um, have to look like they've got to work up at them because yeah. they're still not being serious yet. Um, as I, I put in the notes, short on plot, long on talent. Yep. Um, but just if you want to go see. How good Cesaro is. Go watch this match. Yeah. Unbelievable. This was, uh, a, my fan, this was a phenomenal oh, match. God. Uh, Biggie reminded us he's having a singles career. Uh, it's a little, I don't know, Nick, is a little bit on the nose to have them over and over and over again kind of shove it in our face. Hey, Biggie's a singles star now. They don't give him a match, they give him a promo to remind us that he's got a singles career going. Yeah. Like, uh, maybe they should just give him a singles career and not just keep talking about it. But and, he's so and, good at talking about it. Like the, the the backstage segment with Kayla and just like this is it's he's so good. I want him to have the mic time, but I want him to have that in a spot where it matters. Like what program is he in? 
Cesaro is a great wrestler, and he's, he's fantastic at wrestling, but they never give him enough chance to wrestle. Just because Biggie's good at talking doesn't mean that you necessarily have to let him talk. They should be putting him in matches. Maybe I they're agree. trying to hold off on, uh, on what the program is. They don't know what the program is for him, but just put him in a damn program. If you're going to say he's got a singles career, stop undercutting it by, base, by being so on the nose and give him a damn match. Yeah. Give him a singles career. Just I, go for it. I feel Hopefully like he's he, out for five or six weeks. That's not a lot of time. No, and it, that doesn't have to be the end of it either. That's I think no, that's the point, not. right? I, I, could, do we see a title on the end of on Big E by the end of the year? I think so. They should, and it should be the Intercontinental title. Him take it off of AJ. But the the point is, is that once Kofi's back, if Kofi's just there hanging out with Big E, it feels less like a singles career. It feels like Big E doing his own thing while Kofi's still supporting. And now, granted, it worked when Kofi was doing it. And Biggie and Xavier were cheering him on from the sidelines. Right. It did work then, so maybe I'm wrong. And having Kofi just be in Biggie's corner will be an asset. But they've got to start getting this ball rolling. They got they got to get the big man log rolling down the ramp yep. as soon as possible. Uh, Kyle again in the tip jar. Thank you, sir. Two bucks. Uh, it feels criminal that Heavy Machinery versus Miz and Morrison is not the big SummerSlam Tag Team Championship program given the contrast. Also, I feel like Bruce hates Miz and made it a challenge to give Miz and Morrison worse material. I think this was all Miz and Morrison giving themselves this material because they seem to be having way too much fun with it. Yeah, I'd actually argue that they must love Miz around there because they're always giving him something to do, and he's always having so much fun with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would actually argue the opposite. <laughs> this, is, this is the kind of material that, uh, to me, seems like Miz and Morrison actually wrote their own stuff here. I agree. And they even referred to it as being lowbrow later yeah. on in the show. So they know. I think they know exactly what they're doing. But yeah. that was SmackDown. And it was, um, I don't know, the retribution stuff, I'm still chewing on. And that's one thing I like. I can't say I loved it, but I'm certainly intrigued. Yeah. And they've got other things going on that I'm intrigued by. So, because it's so chaotic at WWE right now, Nick, I just I wonder how much of this they're going to land the plane with. Because how much of this is just being stuff thrown in the air, like, oh God, we got quick, just we got to do something. And how much of this is here's the plan, we're going to do this. Yeah. Right. And this felt like a show where they might have a plan. And so I'm just fingers crossed. Hope they have a plan. Yeah. Well, there's SmackDown, guys, and that's the show for today. Oh, but wait, we're not done just yet. We have no. to head over and do what we like to call our moment of positivity. That's right, the mop, the moment of positivity, that part of the show retake. All that negative stuff and throw it out the window. We only talk about the thing, the one thing that happened in the last few days of professional wrestling that made us smile, that made us happy, that gave us the warm fuzzies in our stomach. The gee, yeah. Uh, and it's just something that we want to talk about. Send us all back out in the world with a smile on our face and just thinking positive thoughts because that's how things should be. So, Nick, what was your moment of positivity for this week? You might laugh. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't really a positive moment. <laughs> Proud and okay. powerful defacing Sue's van. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna laugh. Yeah, that was your moment of positivity. I mean, it wasn't really a, a positive destroying mo a mom's it's, minivan. Well, we phrase we frame the moment of positivity into our our favorite thing. 
but right. it was LAX living up to their sort of gangster stereotypes and going out and just completely spray painting, destroying, and putting a the, his mom's minivan up on blocks. And that I popped so hard for that. I I thought it All was right. kind of funny and cool when they were just beating it up. But when they came back later to Trent and Chuck outside and the whole thing's painted, spray painted, and up on blocks, I I absolutely lost my shit. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That was my. That was the thing that made me laugh the hardest all week. Oh man! So, yeah. All right. Fair enough. How fair about enough. yourself? I, uh, I, I know a couple ones, man. I, I actually wanted to say that that um, John Morrison commenting on uh, Raw Underground, looking straight into the camera, and saying, "And no one's more underground than me." I I, I fully legit spit taped at that. <laughs> was in the middle of having a drink. Fully spit take that. I'll admit it. He got me. But I already used that to open the show. So instead, I'm actually going to have to say it was the closing shot of AEW. I loved that finish to the Moxley and Allen match. Oh, yeah. I loved the dynamic between them. Um, I loved Moxley setting it up. I thought that it actually it did something that I've been waiting for, and that is redeemed Moxley and Allen for me, where I've just kind of I've fallen out of love with their characters a little bit. I have not cared about them in a while. This is the most I've cared about them in a while. And the image of Moxley kind of cradling Darby's corpse after he had to put this kid down, um, as he knew he was going to have to, he's like, I see myself in you, and I know I'm not to put you down, but Moxley just bleeding on him and sweating and Darby just looking like he was dead because Moxley had to kill him, choking him out and Darby fighting back, just all of that. That's that wrestling drama. I just love it. So that... Absolutely, like that. That stuck with that image still sticks with me right now. Mm. So that one got me. That was my moment of positivity. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. That's a good one. That's mm. a really good one. Mm. Well, thank you, Surrey and Dangerous, and thank you guys for joining us for our show today. Don't go anywhere. We're quick what? insertion. Oh, quick yeah. insertion. I've got to say, that's what she said. I I got to say, I'm surprised that yours was not Braun becoming Evie. 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 Ron, you can't become Evidu. There's only one Evidu, and he's the most Evidu <laughs> in the whole world. Everything is a darkness. <laughs> You've Ron been playing way too much Ghost of Tsushima lately. You need I to have. stop it. <laughs> I have been playing way too much Ghost of Tsushima and been getting way too into Evil's title run over in New Japan. Yeah, absolutely. That's just, I'll, I'll openly admit it. Well, guys, stay tuned. We're going to take a quick 10-minute break after I do the outro here. We're going to come right back and do the patron mailbag. Same stream. Enjoy the music. Rock out. Grab a drink. 10-minute bio uh, between then. But thank you very much for tuning in for today's show. Make sure you get into our Discord. Make sure you're following us right here on Twitch. If you're not already, just click the little purple heart. A couple more weeks, and we're going to have all the subs and bits and bells and whistles and all that stuff turned on once we actually stream for long enough. We've got all the other stuff checked off so uh hang tight with us on that hopefully by the time we get to SummerSlam, all that stuff just explodes and this place gets to be a lot more fun once we unlock all that stuff uh make sure you get into the discord for the live chats all throughout every week make sure you subscribe to us over at youtube.com slash busted wide open for bwo daily every day throughout the week monday through friday uh as well as some other content we are developing in the meantime so stay tuned for more on that follow all the social medias at bwo podcast you can find links to all this stuff over at bwopodcast.com 
<sighs> and patrons, we're getting ready to do your show, so don't go anywhere. <laughs> Hang tight. I got a bunch yep. of questions, I think, already. But if you hadn't got your question you. in, make sure you get it in really quick. My apologies again for doing thank that. Thank you for saving Nick. <laughs> yes, thank you for saving my backside. Uh, if you'd like to get your questions in every single week when I do remember to put up the post properly, uh, head over to <laughs> patreon.com slash BWO. All you got to be in is that $5 tier, and that's the Ooh. one you want to be in this month because that also means you get to challenge for Robbie Arby's patron pickham's championship at mm-hmm. SummerSlam, which is a lot of fun we'll be explaining more on that over the next couple of weeks as we get closer to SummerSlam. but guys that is it hang tight again we will be back after this short intermission for number 43 i believe it is of the patron mailbag so stay tuned and we'll be right back my name is nick howell you can find me on twitter at data center dude and i am sir ian dangerous you can find me on twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.